You remember him, don't you? He's Clint Eastwood. And him, John Wells. The great actor, John Maria Volonte. They were the men who excited you so in For a Fistful of Dollars. Here they are, united once more. Clint Eastwood and John Maria Volonte under the inspired direction of Sergio Leone, better known as Bob Robertson. And for added good measure, Lee Van Cleef in a fast-moving film crowded with action. For a few dollars more. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Right turn, Clyde. My mistake, poor Gotham. Get off my lawn. You just shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself. Have you? Go ahead. Make my day. Hello and thank you for listening to episode 235 of 60 Minutes With and the Clintcast show of For A Few Dollars More. I'm Dave and joining me, as always, dressed in just a poncho, it's Ben. Hello, man. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm amazing. We are here. We are doing our second... No, no, it's our, our third podcast. Third, it is. Do you think yeah. we should pause for a second? Because I'm sure quite a few people have fainted throughout the world when <laughs> they've heard us actually recording the Clinkcast show. I think we should get a standing ovation and a clap for a minute, actually. I think we should do. (laughs) Well, at least now we know what it takes for us to record one of these. And it's basically, you know, end of days or something like that happening. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I'm going to lay it on the line now. I'm going to say it will not be this long. (laughs) I know we say it every time until the next one. Because I reckon the gap between this one and our last podcast is probably about the same time for the gap in between the first two movies. So maybe we should do that. That No, because we can't survive that long, Dave. That's the problem. But I tell you what, isn't it great to be back talking about Clint Eastwood again? So Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this for ages, oh. mate. We've been talking about it. Actually, we've yeah. been we've been very naughty boys, haven't we? Because we've gone behind the back of all the rest of the podcast team. We've kept it very secret from them. I've actually been acting a little, but a little bit like in, uh, Indio from this music, uh, from this movie, and just uh, been having like a laugh and a maniacal laugh all, for the last few days since you decided to do this. So I've been getting into a little bit of his character as well, which I think is brilliant. Which we'll talk about a little bit more as the movie goes oh, on. God, but, yeah. but yeah, I've been laughing just a bit like that, thinking, "Had no one knows we're going to record," and yeah, it's great, it's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, just just so excited. And again, for me, really, I know we'll get we'll go into this a bit deeper, but. My history with this movie is way more recent, I think, than I first thought. So, yeah. well, when, let's talk about that then. When yeah. did you first watch for a few dollars more? All in total, properly today. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I think 
going forward for me, this is the way to do it. I mean, I've seen many, many Clint Eastwood movies. I've seen the majority, but actually I think when, when you get the list out of how many films he's done, and we're going to cover his acted roles and his directorial roles as well, aren't we? We're going to do yeah. all the, the yeah. bunch. There's a lot I haven't seen. But with these, growing up as a kid, I just remember having all these Westerns on TV, you know, as a young kid. And it, to me, it was always Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef. They were the two guys I would always see on screen. So, of course, for me, it means a lot of these movies kind of got mixed up. Um, yeah. And without me knowing storylines back then, because, I mean, I never used to take any notice of storylines if I was honest back then. I just wanted to see Clint Eastwood walking around his poncho shooting people. <laughs> Or, and in fact, Lee Van Cleef to me is always the bad guy. Well, of course, it's the complete opposite of what he is in this film. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So for me today, it's I think my way going forward as well, even if I've seen all these films loads before, and in this case I haven't, I've definitely seen loads of it because I remember lots of parts of it watching it again. But I think for me, this is the way for me to do it. If I can just watch it on the day of recording or the day before. Because Dave, guess what? I actually wrote down so many notes whilst watching this film. It's crazy. And that is unheard of for me. I think I'm becoming more professional. It's only taken eight years. I'm <laughs> I actually think Adam from uh, the Wild Ride and, you know, from our, you know, a new member to our team as well. I think, well, not so new now. He's been, been with us a while now. But I think it's down to him because after him coming on board, I feel like I've got a garp a notch or two or something. You know? <laughs> He's put some pressure on you. Let's see. Yeah, no, I did. I just uh, wrote down something. That's very really unusual for me in any of the podcasts I do. But for this, I just liked it. It felt good. And it took me about three hours, three and a half hours to actually get through the film today. So, you know, because you, you you have to stop, rewind, do yeah, little bits yeah. like that. And, and I watched it. This is probably the second time. When we were going to do this originally, about 10 years ago, this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched the first half of the film then. But my attention span sometimes, I, I tend to put films on at the worst time. Like maybe when I'm tired and I'm going to bed. I do it all the time and I fall asleep. I don't know why, but I'm also one of these strange people who can watch films and I can watch it in five sittings if it takes it. I don't need yeah. to sit there from start to finish. I've just got this ability. My daughter, my youngest daughter is exactly the same. Maybe that says something about how we consume stuff these days. Maybe it's a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it could yeah, be. there on demand. What about yourself, though, Dave? With for a few dollars more, oh god! Well, yeah, like I said in the previous ones, my dad brought me up watching Clint Eastwood films um, all the time. If they were on the TV, it'd sit me down and we'd watch them. Then, of course, when video came out, watched them on video so many times. And like the Spaghetti Western trilogy is probably one of the ones the the three films I watched the most with him. So yeah, it's got good memories of you know thinking of my dad and the amount of times that we used to watch this and then going forward you know buying it on dvd and then on blu-ray and special editions coming out so being the geek and a big clint fan i have to buy all the fucking special editions and then we'll get into as well the different versions because the version that i watched most recently well re-watched i should say and again this is one with no exaggeration, I must have watched it over 50 times. Because, wow. Yeah, this is, of the $3 films, this is my favourite film. Okay, now just quickly before you go any further. Now, when I say I've only watched this once, and, or I've watched it halfway through, and I've never been as a kid. The thing is, I've seen loads of these scenes many yeah, times yeah. as a kid. So I may have unwittingly watched it all. Because I'm, I'm talking about when I was very, very young, you hmm. know? So that's what, what I want to say. Uh, I don't want it to sound like I've just come in here just like oh, seen yeah, it once. Yeah. And that's it, you know. And and again, it's it's just for me. It's to actually split the, the differences between the films. But rightly so. From the off, I just want to turn around and say, for as much as I love the first film, you know, A Fistful of Dollars, 
this one for me has is raised the bar massively oh yeah in, in so many different ways and it did for all of them as director as actors as all of them and, and you know and in fact on this blu-ray that again i know you're going to go into which one you was watching you'll have to probably explain to me which one i was watching but i think i'm i'm watching the that what would you you would say is the proper one to watch yes uh, yeah, two hours 15 long it's got all the scenes in there yeah. nothing taken out yeah that's the one i watched so um and it's great because on this commentary, it's by a sir. What was his name? It's, Christopher um, Freeling. Yeah, what a voice. He's mm-hmm. a really cool guy, a really nice guy to listen to. You know, he's a writer and um, he's, he's done all of these films on the commentary, isn't he, on this Blu-ray set? Um, yeah, oh yeah, he's a huge Clint Eastwood fan. He, he does a lot of commentaries and books about Clint as well, yeah. especially the Spaghetti Westerns too. And I just enjoyed listening to his commentary because he he does kind of what we do and go off on little tangents here and there mm. and talks about it, which is great and it's, it's superb. So... He's brought so much knowledge to the table. I say that I don't want to put myself up on some pedestal, sounding intelligent or anything, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> to me, I just yeah, I just fell in love with this movie. I was so engrossed in it, and the ability to watch a film and take notes and absorb it all still is quite remarkable. I think you wouldn't think it'd be that easy to do, but I think it is. You know, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you said, though, it just takes longer, doesn't it, as you're writing notes because you're constantly pausing and writing yeah. stuff, sometimes rewinding it and. Uh, but I wanted to pretend that I just sit in nonchalantly and just rock on up in the poncho and, you know, and, <laughs> and all that stuff. And my lovely um, brown woolen waistcoat with a cigar in my mouth. I wanted to pretend I'm Clint Eastwood rocking up and just being <laughs> like his character. Right. Yeah. But in reality, I would get away with that because you do so many. You, you painstakingly do so many notes. I know that you, you keep giving me updates on them and stuff. And it made me feel small. It made me feel a bit sort of underwhelming. So I wanted to be a little bit more professional <laughs> this time. <so. laughs> <laughs> kind of like a, a note-waving contest. I would look actually, at my yeah. notes. <laughs> no, I'm not going to show that. But I could have just pretended and said, "Nah, it's all in my head." But that yeah. would be not true to myself, and I don't like bullshit. <laughs> I can't stand bullshit. But you know what? As well, it's quite funny that I think if you take us as characters, I'm definitely the more. I'm going to have to take Clint Eastwood off your hands on this one. I'm definitely more him because I'm a bit more of the nonchalant gag maker. <laughs> Make you gag, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I think you're the bit more specialist Lee Van Cleef, Douglas Mortimer character. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Fuck. I thought you were going to say the old prophet then that was in the... No, 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 no. I don't make those sort of jokes. That's disgusting. Who, who does that sort of thing? <laughs> uh, which, incidentally, was his last film, wasn't it? So, yeah. Mm. Go on, then. You better cut her and talking. I better well, take a breath. So. <laughs> well, as well as this being my favourite of the three uh, Dollars yeah. films, it's also my favourite as far as the score goes as well, which we'll mm. get into as we get yeah. talking about the film as well. Again, great music score. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll play a few things from that and have a chat about it as we go into it. So, I mean, let's let's go into the film then. Let's start with a few facts and figures about it. For a few dollars more, 1965, filmed almost exactly a year after A Fistful of Dollars. And this is because it was during Clint's annual break from Rawhide, which was March to June. So this was filmed between March and June 65. And it would be, and again, we'll get into it this in detail a little bit more uh, later on, it would be his final break from Rawhide summer break because shit happened a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, it got a budget of $600,000, which is three times the amount of a fistful of dollars. Uh, Clint's salary went up as well. This time he was paid $50,000. It was another German, Spanish and Italian collaboration like uh, Fistful of Dollars. And just like A Fistful of Dollars as well, it got a title change. It was originally going to be called 
Two Magnificent Strangers, um, but it was changed after the success of A Fistful of Dollars, so they were riding on the coattails of that. Uh, it was uh, released in Italy in December 1965. It became the most successful movie in Italy until into the 1970s. How about that? Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but much like A Fistful of Dollars, it wasn't released in the USA until 1967. They were a bit later getting onto the Clint Eastwood train. Uh, Leone as well, Sergio Leone, the director, he acknowledged uh, that it pays homage to two Hollywood movies. Yep. Uh, one being Nera Cruz, 1954, stars Burt Lancaster and Gary Cooper. And in that film, Burt Lancaster wears a leather gun gauntlet similar to what Clint wears in this one. And the other film that pays homage to is The Bravados from 1958, which is Gregory Peck and Lee Van Cleef in that one, and that's got a chiming pocket watch in it, which this has too. Yep. So, yeah, have you seen either of those films? I don't think <laughs> I've seen either of those two old westerns. I'm going to be honest, I haven't, but again, it's like anything in it, I want to now go and watch them just yeah. to see. Yeah. I really like those both. I love um, uh, Gregory Peck and indeed Burt Lancaster as well. You know, I've, I've always enjoyed watching them. So I'll definitely check them out. Yeah, I think so. That's the thing is you're making notes as well, isn't it? You're sort of hearing different things, reading different things, and then it like sends you on, on stuff. Like, that I is need to thing. watch that now. I need to watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have to sort of control yourself a little bit. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there's a lot of returning people from this one. From... Can I just say quickly as well, Dave? You know you're yeah. saying because it was obviously that joint effort, wasn't it? Like you say, from the, the German side of things, it was yeah. like fully invested by three different companies, and mm -hmm. that, which is really interesting because on, you know, looking into it, the first movie had way more West German actors. In yes, it. it did. And I think, yeah. and that plays a part because in here, I think there's only two, which um, it just goes to show how even I think they assume there'll be more actors in it. But even even so, I think the popularity still didn't matter. I think it still it obviously worked out, didn't it? it worked out really well. Oh for God, them, but yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it look, just goes to show for them to be fully invested, even though they only had two, you know, uh, actors in there. Or yeah, because I think they knew. I think anybody that invested in it knew they were going to make money from the success of the first, you know, yeah, yeah. Fistful of Dollars. Uh, returning from A Fistful of Dollars, of course, Sergio Leone is director, Ennio Morricone doing the score, uh, Massimo Dallamano as the director of photography, um, in front of the camera, obviously, Clint Eastwood is back. Other ones, Jean-Maria Volante, uh, played Ramon yeah. in the first one, is now El Indio in this. Still an evil bastard, once again, in this one. And I think even more over the top in this one, isn't he? Way more over the, the top. One. There's a massive contrast between the acting of the American um, actors and there is to the European actors. Oh, did, yeah. Did, did, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So, the, yeah. The, yeah, all the European ones are like really theatrical, aren't yeah, especially... Yeah. Um, Volante as, as Indio, he goes like really over the top in, in parts of it. Oh wow, yeah, he 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 sort of goes into demise by the end of the movie, doesn't he? He's like proper breakdown. Yeah, he is. Also, returning Mario Brega, uh, he played Chico. We talked a lot about him, and then the uh, Fistful of Dollars. Oh, show. Chico time, yeah. Chico time, the big guy, yeah. the one that we said fancied Clint and was always wanted some <laughs> exactly. sort of. Exactly. Yeah. Did he not have a very sad ending to his life? I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe that's I... something I should find because he's also, if I remember rightly, he's in uh, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly as well. He's in all three of them. So. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's now Nino, and again, he's part of the same gang. Doesn't it. talk very much. He doesn't character. really. No, yeah. he's just sort of big and uh, a bit scary. Uh, right. You wouldn't argue with him if he wanted to take you down some dark You alley, wouldn't. Would you? <laughs> no, you just there, say it. There is no stopping him. No, no chance. 
<laughs> uh, a few others Aldo Sambrell he was Ro he was a Rojo gang member in the in uh, Fistful of Dollars he's now Cuchillo in this one he's the knife guy uh, and in fact Cuchillo is Spanish for knife so that's why uh, that's why he's the knife guy apparently uh, Benito Stefanelli was Rubio in Fistful of Dollars he's now Huey and finally, of course, uh, one of the other returning actors, Joseph Egger. We talked Egger. about him quite a lot. He was Piri Perro, the uh, the Undertaker in The Fistful yeah. of Dollars, and he's now the old prophet in this. Unfortunately, his last film before he died as well. This is that that this the, the brilliant, funny scene in this movie that that was filmed after the fact, very near the end of filming, which we'll get to. I think when we get oh, there, yeah. obviously. And isn't it? There's more comedy in this than well, there is way in more. The, yeah. And this is a, that's also apparently due to Sergio because he has a very good sense of humour. Yeah, from what I've so. heard. Yeah. yeah, and it I think does... it was a lot of his watching movies as a kid as well, sort of taking that from what he was watching, you know, back back hmm. when he was a child. So taking a bit more of that comedy that came out from the American side of things, you know. So. And I don't know about you, I think all the comedy works really well in this. It's it's not slap, it's, yeah, it's not like in your face, is it? I, don't, I just said like there as well, used it really bad. <laughs> but it, 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 it's, it's, even though it's there, it's not, we're not talking, you know, the Three Stooges comedy going on here. No, no it's not, it's not, or, or Lauren and Hardy. But it's totally, I think in contrast to everything else going on, it's to make, because there, there is a lot of violence in this, you know, it's particularly hmm. if you consider 1965, Five, is that right? Yeah, nine sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's to make those moments, you know, give you a bit of downtime, just to have a bit of a laugh and chuckle, which is used in lots of films since then as well, you know, to, to oh, yeah. take you a bit off guard and that. So. And it's, you yeah. know, it's spaced out nicely. It's, you know, yeah. it's not constantly in. It's just as and when gives a few smiles. But like you said, it's good. It's not like slapstick humour. No. No. Just quickly as well, this is definitely for me. I don't know if you agree, but this is where almost the the buddy type movie originated. Mm. Yeah, it's a good example of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when they team up. And the one-liners. Yeah. He definitely, he definitely, Clint Eastwood definitely created the one-liner, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and of course, they go forward, like, when we get into the Dirty Harry movies. I mean, yeah. they, they became so well-known, a lot of the Dirty Harry one-liners, and through other films as well. So, yeah, this is a good point, you know. This is the beginning of, like, Clint's one-liners that just stick with you. But it's pioneering, isn't it? It's yeah, pretty, you know, yeah. A lot of these, you know, these buddy movies, these one-liners, Arnie and and Sly and all that, it would have all come from here if you mm-hmm. think about it. Oh yeah, they do. Well, the film. Well, we talked quite a bit about the title sequence in A Fistful of Dollars because it's quite elaborate, and you know all the similarities between that and Doctor No. Big change in this one. The title sequence is nowhere near as elaborate. And in fact, there's not really like a dedicated title sequence. It's more the names of the actors and that going on screen as action happen- happens behind yeah. it. You know, there's not an animated sequence. For the uh, first time as well, real names. So. Real names rather yeah. than the American names that yeah. the, all the actors were given in the first one. So that made a big difference too. Uh, so it begins. Let's Let's take the people through the film. Yeah, it starts, you see this vista, it's filmed in, uh, this is Almeria in Spain. And you just see uh, in the distance somebody on a horse riding towards, and we're up elevated, the camera's up elevated. And it's the point of view of somebody, you don't know who it is, you hear whistling, you hear a guitar being cocked. And the whistling that you hear is Sergio yeah. Leone, isn't it? That's <laughs> right, like, yeah, well, that's so absolutely. Cool. Um, so then the smoke from the cigar, because you presume it's Clint Eastwood's character yeah. because you associate his character in these films with smoking. Uh, this, the smoke from this car turns into the title for a few dollars more. Brilliant. Um, and like you said, yeah, the 
actors use the real names, which was really nice to see. Um, give them the proper credit this time. Uh, the song that they play, the title song, um, is really good. And I'm going to play that in a few minutes once we finish talking about this first scene. But some of the music in it, like I said, this is my favourite score of yeah. all the three Spaghetti Westerns and one of the iconic songs in it. Uh, one of the performers, because there's some vocals in it, but a lot of the vocals, like in A Fistful of Dollars, you can't quite make out what they're saying because we no. talked about this in the previous show. Yeah. Um, and one of the performers was interviewed about it and said, what, what are you singing in this? And they couldn't didn't, remember. Didn't know. Yeah, they couldn't didn't remember. Know. They didn't know if it's We yeah. Can Fight or We Defy or in the wind they yeah. got no idea and listening to it even now and i've listened to it so many times it's i get goosebumps listening to that it's that, so that, good that, isn't it when you get that vocal choir thing going on I, I i love that you know and that again i think i said before that's adopted in so many of like the bruce lee golden harvest productions as well oh, yeah which is a, one of my heroes as well that and those um a lot of inspirations going into the 70s and the, the the late 60s definitely took cues from the way that these movies were filmed with regards to how it looked and the mm -hmm. sound definitely and yeah. it, I, I love it because i particularly like the wide the wide close shots you know the camera shots that the the letterbox shots i think are just fantastic and with regards to music the reason i like music so much as well it's got a fender guitar in there man that 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 oh, wow. that, that, that was used um and it, i think between all three movies from from what i can gather this is definitely more band like, you know, like yeah. real like real rock band type um soundtrack rather than more orchestral, mm -hmm. which you go which is from the other movies. So Yeah, because Morricone uh, uses all sorts, doesn't he, in you know yeah. the scores that he does. Yeah, absolutely. I believe he's primarily a trumpet player, isn't he, himself? That's what he that's yeah. his instrument. So uh, which I'm assuming later on in the film he's playing the trumpet. I can only assume that. Well, I'm not... yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I'd like to no. think it is, but I couldn't find out about it. But I would imagine it would be, but yeah. So yes, but yeah, and you're right. And again, music and sound in this second movie play a huge part because the audio cues that that get spread out throughout the whole movie, you know, it, it just just if you if you're not taking notice, it, you can miss it. Mm -hmm. But actually, there's some great audio cues, and as a whole, the sound quality is just uh, you know this whole soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, oh yeah. Brilliant. And again, in, in the Fistful of Dollars show, we talked about, didn't they, how yeah. each character had their own little piece of music, so you would associate that's that it. with them, whatever was happening, like you said there. It's yeah. just, the, and they're so good and so memorable again. They and, are. I mean, like, Eastwood's got the little twang, isn't he, mm -hmm. the little string twang, and then Lee Van Cleef has the the, chi the chimes of the little watch, isn't it? That, that's his yeah. sound. So. Yeah. Which obviously plays into the story of this film as well, which is brilliant. So, yeah. oh, it is. It's such yeah, a good, it's brilliant. Such a good I have to say, from my point of view, it's like wow, yeah, you because know, it, it felt like it was the first time I was watching it properly. You know? Yeah. So great, superb, which we'll get to at the end. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, you hear this whistling, you see the scar smoke turns into the titles, um, the guns cocked, fired, and the person falls off the horse. And what's happening as well is as the actors' names are coming up on screen. There's gun holes appearing in them and yeah. bits, bits of the names are falling off and everything apparently it was um eli wallach who we'll be talking about more when we talk about the good the bad and the ugly in the next show um he signed on to the good the bad and the ugly after seeing the title sequence of yeah. uh, for a few dollars more and seeing that leone's name was shot in the titles realized like you said leone's got a good sense of humor and he thought yeah what might working with him yeah i'll sign up and yeah it's up. great it is yeah. good isn't it yeah um, 
And then the title sequence ends and it, and it says, uh, where life had no value, death sometimes had its price. That is why the bounty killers appeared. And that means a lot because, of course, the whole film is about two bounty killers yeah. trying to make some money. Uh, so I think this is a good time. We shall take a break and let's play the title sequence song, which, and this is where I just completely murder the Italian title of it, mm. per, per qualche dollaro in pio. There you go. How about that? That sounded good to me, bud. Yeah.
And so the film begins. We start on a train and we're looking at a guy. We don't know who it is. His face is hidden behind a Bible. Uh, and the Bible originally was not going to be a Bible. I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, we see it's a character played by Lee Van Cleef, whose full name is Clarence Leroy Van Cleef. Uh, <laughs> doesn't sound as menacing, does it? As, it doesn't. No. no, not really. When you give him his full name, yeah. Uh, I've read he pay. He was paid seventeen thousand dollars for this part. Thirty percent more than anything he'd ever been offered before. He had briefly worked before with Clint Eastwood on an episode of Rawhide, uh, but only briefly. But you know, they did know each other. Yeah. Once again. Did so, so I don't know if you wanted to go into. I don't know if you want to go into it now, but his story, Lee Van Cleef's taking this role, was brilliant. Oh yeah, I've got a little bit, but I'd love you know if you, we can chat about that. Okay, it, it, well, it now was, or do you want to do it a bit later? Or we'll do it. In, we'll do it in a minute because. Okay, yeah, definitely. Like we said, with with uh, fistful of dollars, the amount of people that were up for the parts, even Clint Eastwood part originally. Yeah. Uh, the same here with Lee Van Cleef's character. Yeah. Obviously, Clint Eastwood was you know a shoe in for this part now. Uh, but the part that Lee Van Cleef takes again, same names as well, which is funnily enough. Uh, Henry Fonda was one. Yep. Uh, another one, Charlie Bronson, yet again, which I love. I mean, <laughs> I absolutely love him. Once upon a time in um, was it Once Upon a Time in the West is mm. just one of my most oh, favourite yeah. films. Yeah, uh, fantastic. He turned it down apparently because he thought it was too much like the first movie. It's <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> as much, and then it's like, why? But everybody loved the first movie. What's wrong with that? Uh, Lee Van Cleef, though, had a bad car crash in 1958. Uh, his left knee was crushed, um, and he, had, he said he could never ride a horse again at one point. You also see as well in this film, he's lost the end of his middle finger on his right hand. Now, I've read a few things about how he lost it. The one that seems to come up the most is it was building a playhouse for his daughter. But I have read a few other different things. One said it was in this car crash that injured his knee was another one. Uh, if anybody's got any sort of definitive answer to that, I'd love to hear. Uh, but he was a bit in the doldrums at the time. He hadn't acted in a movie since 1962. No. Uh, un uncredited non-speaking part in How See, the West Was Won, which is crazy. It's fucking Lee Van Cleef. You know, no, 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 but this is the funny thing. See, for me, I just presumed Lee Van Cleef was a huge star hmm. when I was growing up as a kid. But it was this movie that made him become a yeah. superstar. Yeah? yeah. Whereas he'd obviously been in movies for years. Now, here, I just want to touch on this as well. I know I was going to the age thing, right? But can we just say something? I am four years older than Lee Van Cleef is <laughs> in this film, man. That is ridiculous. No, that's mental. He looks in his 60s to me, and he's meant to, actually. He's, he's made up to look a bit older as well. I think fact, he is, Ser yeah. Sergio Leone, though, actually thought he was in his mid-50s as well. You can believe he, that, though, can't you? Because... You certainly can. But also, even Eastwood looks older than 35. He just does to me. Yeah, it's, a, it's crazy. Um, but they certainly, he's playing, you know, Lee Van's character, you know, Colonel Douglas Mortimer, he's playing like the father figure almost, yeah, to Clint Eastwood's other, you know, Monco character, right? Yeah. But in reality, there's only a five-year gap in between their ages. Which is great. When you think in the film yeah. as well, they refer to each other, like Clint calls calls Lee Van Cleef old man. Yeah. And, and Lee Van Cleef calls Clint boy. And it's like five years he, between them. But he does look a lot, lot more than five years. He does. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah he so does. it's um, yeah, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. So, and I was going on about the age thing. It's just it always it interests me because Dave, you're 
I don't want to go into ages, but you're what fifty, nearly coming up fifteen years older than him at this point. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'll be, 50, <laughs> I'll be fifty-five in a few but, months. So. You way younger than he does in this. So, <laughs> but actually going forward, because you know, this obviously propelled him to go and do so many westerns in the back end of the sixties, oh, early seventies, yeah, yeah. right? And he wore two pays in lots of those films. He because, did, yeah. <laughs> but it just made me laugh. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and none of them very successfully. But but again, the point I was trying to make there is, growing up, I just presumed he was this big star, but he wasn't. He was on his last legs and could barely even pay his electricity bill. Exactly. So it, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And like I said, his character in this, he says at one point, you know, I, I've reached nearly 50 years old in this game. Uh, and like you said, he was 40. Because <laughs> like, when you first watch it and you think, oh, you're older than 50, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but everyone looked old about then, didn't they? They did. I think they so. just didn't... Yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think most people did then. I don't yeah. know what it was that made people look old, but I know where I keep myself looking so young now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Masturbation, my friend. That it? <laughs> that, maybe Lee Van Cleef wasn't doing enough then. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, he couldn't he had his finger missing. He couldn't yeah. grasp hold of it, could he? Maybe that's with. how we lost it. That could have been <laughs> a little bit too vigorous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he he wasn't in a good place. Um, he, you know, say he hadn't acted since '62. Uh, Leone cast him specifically for his face. He loved his face. Although I think he's got a great voice as well, don't you? He's got such a really good voice as Lee Van Cleef. This film again, it made him. This mm. again, it made him. And I, and I think from Sergio Leone's point of view, is he used to watch him, didn't he, back in those films in the fifties uh, he was in? Even though he had, he generally played a bad guy. Generally got killed off quite quickly or whatever, or got killed. Mm -hmm. But it was his look, and his look is iconic. Growing up, Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood to me were the, the guys I would instantly think of when it came to westerns. Whereas I think the previous generation would have been people like Gary Cooper or yeah yeah uh, yeah. So so yeah, for me that his voice is amazing. He he, he for me he instantly when he ever is on camera is fantastic. He 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 equals Clint Eastwood easily for me. Yeah, you know? screen presence is great. Yeah, screen it? presence is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently he was drinking really heavily as well at the time. You know. Well, there we are. That's why he looks so old. Oh, that could be, that's good, probably added a few years to him. Sergio <laughs> uh, Leone, he went to America for only the second time. The first time was to see Clint for Fistful yeah. of Dollars. Uh, and he went to America to ensure that Lee Van Cleef got the part um, because somebody else that was in for the part, Lee Marvin. Um, but he, he ditched at the last minute because he then went into filming Cat Baloo. Uh, which I've not, which I've not seen. Oh, it's a long time since I've watched that. A long, long time. I remember enjoying it, but I haven't watched it for such a long time. There's another one I need to rewatch now. That was a more comedic film, I believe. I as well. think so. I yeah, think so. More yeah. yeah. Uh, there wasn't a lot of time to go before filming began, but thankfully, I think because of the money he was offered, he's a big part of it. it from what I saw, it's next day. Wow! He got offered the money. He had to be in Rome the next day. So a week. It was kind of in the in the week up to the build up to recording. He was over there with a suitcase of money. Did you see about all that? And he got offered some cash there and then out nice. of the suitcase, which I, I thought was fantastic because again the, 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 the language barrier. You know, Sergio couldn't speak English or nothing oh, like that. It, so. Yeah, again, yeah. It, like the, you know, a fistful of dollars. Everybody's speaking their own language, and it, yeah. it was all dubbed into you know English language version, Italian language version, German, Spanish, whatever. So they were all speaking their own language, and you know the sound wasn't dubbing it after. That was it. Um, which, funnily enough, and I think I can't remember which one. I've got a feeling it is. Um, I can never say his name. Was it? Was it Gian? Is this Volonti guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He couldn't speak a word of English. 
but he actually did his own dubbing for this by phonetics. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he learned it like that. So he got really yeah. no idea what he was no saying. Idea what he was saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he knew how to say it. Yeah, because yeah. you can still see throughout the whole film where the sync is out. I mean, because obviously they're speaking in their native language. Yeah. So some of the some of the dubbing doesn't mix at all correctly to what their mouth's moving. No. You know? I think that's part of the charm of watching oh, them it. nowadays, though, isn't it? Just watching Again, that. Same as watching uh, all my Asian films I like watching. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. The same. Um, Lee Van Cleef died on the 16th of December 1989, aged only 64. Uh, it had heart disease from the late 70s, had a pacemaker installed in the early 80s, uh, died of a heart attack. Uh, he also had throat cancer as well. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I lost him a bit. A, bit a lot of these really. people died quite very young. A lot of these, a lot, a lot of these actors, yeah. if you look at it. Yeah. They did, but thankfully, like you said, you know, thanks to this, uh, afterwards, there was a good, definitely a good 10-year period, at least afterwards. He had a really successful yeah. career, especially Absolutely. making westerns in Italy. Uh, and earned millions of dollars. So yeah, you got to think about it. A lot, a lot of these westerns, they, they there were many, many like bootleg type movies that tried to copy. You know, even with almost similar names. Oh, yeah, right. So it would always be the Clint Eastwood character or the Lee Van Cleef character. There'd be those that mm. are portrayed. And in fact, one of my favourite Eastwood movies is Pale Rider. I think I said oh, this yeah. last time we yeah. recorded. I adore that film. I really, really do. And even the guy in that kind of looked the main bad guy, kind of has a Lee Van Cleef look about him. <laughs> Actually, I've just, I've just thought about when he gets shot in the forehead in that film. It's his look. It's uh, ridiculous. But <laughs> do you remember that? It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah. But, yeah. But no, yeah, and I think even like video games, you know, because I'm well into the, the Red Dead Redemption 2 and stuff at the moment. And um, they're sort of characters who are portrayed. It seems to be these movies are the ones that sort of were the ones that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, brains gone. The I think... A lot of these storylines and that come from these types of films, you know, yeah. and the characters, these type of films. So. Yeah, especially with the Red Dead games as yeah, well. Yeah, the Red they, Dead They cool. really pull from them, definitely. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're on the train. It's like the film, we're on the train. Like I said, there's a, a guy, and he's hidden behind a Bible. Uh, the Bible was originally going to be Lord Byram's poems to show that this character was a cultured man. Yeah. Um, but they changed it to a, a Bible because it's more known worldwide than yeah. if they put Lord Byron's poems in his hand. So there's a guy sat opposite him in the train, um, and but the guy fr- from who sat behind the Bible, you don't know who it is yet, it's a complete surprise. Uh, there's a guard in the train, uh, and he asked the guard, uh, does this train stop at Tukumkari? Uh, Tukumkari, by the way, the first place that you get to in the film, it's the redressed set of A Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which in itself was an old Western set anyway. Uh, and this film has got obviously way more places in it than. About six or seven locations. Yeah, think, we've got White yeah. Rocks, El Paso, Agua Caliente, Santa Cruz. We've got way yeah. more locations. And that's why it lends itself like bigger budget. You can feel it. You can really feel it. Exactly. In the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the locations as well. We talked about with a fistful of dollars. How apart from the main characters in the film, you saw bugger all anybody else. This, uh, exactly. it's, it is like living, breathing world. There's people walking yep. around everywhere. You know, it's far more yeah, poultry believable. running about the place. Poultry, um, yeah. You know, it's just fantastic, and it is a busy, busy bars, and you know that that was incredible like dirty. it made it look more grimy and dirty how it would have done back yeah. then you know? yeah so, way yeah. more believable doesn't it yeah yeah uh so the, the guy that sat opposite the guy that's holding the bible informs him the train doesn't stop at tukumkari uh the bible lowers and then we see lee van cleef's awesome face oh, um, yeah. and he says this train will stop at tukumkari 
And he pulls the emergency cord. Uh, of course, he, he gets off wherever the fuck he wants to get off, doesn't he? Funny, to me, I don't know what, what it was for me. It was to me... I didn't even believe that that sort of thing existed back in the late emergency cords. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they obviously did because I think it is true to life. I mean, it's only on a wire, isn't it? Putting a bell of some sort. Yeah, maybe. probably. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, whoever's up front hits the brakes. Then once they hear the bell or whatever. Yeah, it was the, what made me chuckle as well was the fact that they were literally drive. Literally, they were actually driving through that place at that particular point. It was just there. They were already there, kind of, weren't they? They were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to get off. He could just jump off, but of course, he needed his horse with him as well, didn't he? Yeah. His kit. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. So the, the train stops, and he unloads yeah. the horse from one of the carriages, and one of the train guards pulls him up. You know, was going to give him a bit of a bollocking for what? Yeah. What the hell have you done? Uh, and then he sees the way that this character is wearing his gun across his belly. Yeah. So then you know immediately, without saying anything at all, that this character is a bit of a badass, and yeah. he's known by a lot of people. Well. It's, again, it's just like me out in the nightclubs. I said it before. I'm just like this, you know, <laughs> stand there, legs are straddled. That's just, it. You know, ha- hand on my belt. You know, just, uh, <laughs> and just like the death stare if you come anywhere near me. Yeah. 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 And it's, then... not, it's, not good. it's not great, though, for putting the chicks, man. So <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't work. No, it does, actually, believe it or not. Bad boys. They like bad boys, don't they? That's it. And then you get on your horse and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> I'm like a horse, David. <laughs> <laughs> incidentally as well going to the horse as well because of his injury he would generally use circus horses as opposed to the other horses because uh, yeah. am i right in saying they walk differently i didn't quite understand that they, i think they he, he he requested he couldn't use the normal horses or something because i think they're a little bit more um volatile okay yeah yeah, of course, you've got that really bad knee injury as well. You'd yeah. have to be like, Which really you can't careful. see, it, can you? you no, can't. no, it's not like you've got some no. sort of pronounced limp or something like that. Not that you noticed ever, anyway. No. no. So he goes, off he goes now. Uh, we still don't know the character's name at all yet. We don't know who, you know, who he is, what 25 he is. 25 minutes. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's all setting it, setting it up. And yep. um, So he, he goes and he goes to a ticket clerk. He's, you know, he's by the train station. Uh, and he sees a wanted poster, and it says "Wanted Guy Calloway for Moida." <laughs> are these drawings, or are they some kind of photograph? No, they're, never... they're yeah, they're draw hand hand drawings. They're bloody Somebody's good done. drawings. They're aren't they? not bad, are they? Really? Although, looks nothing like the guy. Well, this is it. Uh, this is the thing, <laughs> and there's a few cockups on the poster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't there? Because he yeah. sees it, and it's got "Wanted for Murder." thousand dollars and somebody's drawn an extra two zeros on it and the ticket seller says a to bit, him that callaway added the extra zeros bit later on a bit of continued i can never say it continuity conti- yeah a bit of an error coming up <laughs> there is later, coming up yeah uh so the ticket seller informs this mysterious guy like we say we still don't know who it is um that callaway himself added the extra zeros and that there isn't anyone who's got the guts to face that killer so then we see Van Cleef calmly take the poster off the wall. And then the, the ticket seller, very impressed, said, at least been that way till now. Um, yeah. You also noticed, have you noticed, and every time I've watched this, uh, I noticed this for some strange reason, the ticket seller's in his little ticket booth, and in a couple of shots you see behind him a very young boy in just a vest. <laughs> and it's like... Really? I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the young boy wearing just a vest? Why did you notice that? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> why what's i don't know maybe it's not the same lad from a little bit later because there is one it's not no no it's not okay. no he's younger than him he's younger than him yeah it's 
Because there are a lot of kids in this movie right, for a reason as well. And, yeah. Uh, which yeah. I think already bring up here. Yeah. Uh, so Van Cleef, he walks, you know, he's, he makes his way in, into the town and he walks into um, a saloon and uh, he pushes the, want, the wanted poster that he's just torn off from the ticket place. He pushes it towards the barman, totally ignores him. Obviously doesn't know who this character is. He's one of the few people who probably doesn't know. So Van Cleef grabs him, asks him again, and the barman answers uh, just by looking up to the ceiling and saying... I've no idea where he'd be yeah. today. Obviously, he doesn't want to get himself into the shit, does he? Knows something's going to happen. Doesn't want to get. Can himself. I just say as well? Would it be great if we could walk into bars these days and just have a drink slammed down in front of you to drink? Yeah, it just never you happens. Walk in. You know, yeah. you know, an unbranded whiskey or whatever it is. You know, it just doesn't happen. It never ever happens. Back in those days, it must have been awesome walking in and just getting offered booze straight away. Yeah. So, Normally yeah. a whiskey, just like plonked in front of you, and a beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sounds of, of male and female laughter from upstairs uh, so he makes his way up the stairs and he pushes the wanted poster underneath the door and like this is where you say this is where there's a continuity error we've already yeah. seen the poster we've already seen and been told that Callaway wrote the extra two zeros on it Yeah, it's not on the poster that he pushes underneath is it those two no. zeros have disappeared which is a bit strange Absolutely. plus Callaway's got um, a moustache on it as well, which he hasn't got, and he looks nothing like. It looks guy. nothing like him, but then uh, the moustache is quite deceiving, isn't it? Somebody who wears one really does look completely and utterly different. Oh, my does. dad where, used to used to rock the Magnum Tash, used to drive the Ferrari as well. Hilarious, right? Oh, nice. We used to call me and my sister used to call him Magnum Pi when we were kids, <laughs> right? I used to believe it was him as well, but it's just crazy. And once the moustache comes off, it looks he looks like a completely different person. So it, it kind of does make sense. Yeah. You know? Good disguise, I guess, if you're you know running from the law, <laughs> just grow a mustache. That's all you need. Some people can rock their moustaches better than others, right? yeah. That you know, well, I couldn't grow a proper one anyway, actually. But the older I get, though, I've noticed I can grow way more hairs everywhere, so <laughs> everywhere <laughs> except your face, it's to ears, what? nose, ears, are, oh, geez, yeah, ears, ears, and nostrils. I'm constantly trying to get those buggers out. So. <laughs> Um, but just coming up here as well, the favourite part so far for me, a couple of titties. Well, this is it. <laughs> so he, push, he pushes the wanted poster underneath the door. There's four gunshots that fire through. Obviously, Callaway's seen, seen the poster fires, but Van Cleef is clever. He's got out of the way of the door. Why uh, only four shots, though? I, I, I would always think surely the guy is then waiting inside, okay, to shoot with the re you know, the next two bullets. Yeah. He's holding a cupboard back. Exactly, no. yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Van Cleef doesn't give a shit, does he? Kicks the door, kicks the door down. Callaway's already on his heels, made his, making his way through yeah, the window. Look, we don't uh, look at that, though, do we? You don't, because there's a woman in the bathtub with nothing on. Now, I oh. remember watching this, and like I said, my dad brought me up watching these films at an early age. And it was all, I remember, like, the first few times, go, it's a woman with her boobs out. With real Ooh, boobs. Lovely real boobs. boobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but proper nice boobs. Not these yeah. little blooming fried egg bullshit they've got these days. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Proper, proper voluptuous breasts. Yeah. And, he, <laughs> and he's, he's not phased by it. He just, he just, in fact, he's really polite to her. He sees yep. that Calloway's gone through the window. He tips, he tips his hat to her and says, pardon me, ma'am. That and was then, the first sight for me to realise he's got morals, this yeah. guy. Yeah. It sets his character up a little bit. Exactly. But isn't yeah. that good? Like you said there, the way that they're setting up the character. Setting just with up. a simple thing like that, the yep. simple thing with the train guard noticing, oh, it's him, how he wears his gun, and 
leave him alone, don't exactly. mess with him. You know stuff about the character without having it, you know, explained with a shitload of exposition. It just happens naturally. Well, because I'm going to say it now as well. I, I've always thought this is a Clint Eastwood film, but for me, really, it's a Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef film. Mm. Oh, it Isn't is. It? Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. yeah. So, But yes. the way they do set the characters up is brilliant. Oh, quite- yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we still haven't seen Clint Eastwood yet. No. <laughs> That's the thing, have we? No, not at all. So then, I mean, I must admit, at the start, did you, the first time you saw this, I always presumed, although he obviously, it couldn't be, but I always presumed, because normally in the Westerns, it would be um, the... <sighs> The guy, you know, get, when he got shot off the horse, the geezer. Yeah. I'm thinking at the start of that film, that's Clint Eastwood walking towards the camera. Mm. And I think in a lot of the older films, it would always be the good guy, a, a good guy who gets shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not. It's the opposite way around in this because you've got Clint, who's the good guy, shooting at the bad guy. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's great. Again, like you say, setting up these characters. In, yeah. Uh, it, uh, as a kid... Again, thinking, well, no, Lee Van Cleef's a bad guy. That's why I always thought, yeah. I'm thinking, these just seems too nice here, you know? So it makes no sense. But <laughs> Even though, it's like we said, it's already been set up that he's, you know, he's a badass, but he's... Just a bounty hunter on a mission, yeah, and exactly, a mission yeah, that obviously yeah. by the end of the movie, there's a point to there it. There is a good point to it, yeah. 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 Well, it cuts between Calloway running away, trying to get to his horse, running across balconies, jumping down, all very, oh, quick, it's he's fucking coming after me. Lee Van Cleef calmly walks back down the stairs, leaves the saloon, opens his saddle bag, one of, another one of those, you know, music stings that we've been talking about, yeah. reveals a selection of guns. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, it's some great ones. Calmly pulls one out and he shoots Calloway's horse to begin with. So then Calloway goes uh, flying. Did you, know that, uh, did you know that was the first time I think they'd done it in a Western as well? Was it now? Ah. I think, you know, in a, certainly it was normally the person who would get shot and yeah. the horse would run off. Yeah. yeah normally. But... It was this time, yet. Yeah. yeah. Un- unlucky horse. I didn't uh, really kill it, did they? <laughs> no. I don't think they've gone for that much realism. <laughs> yeah. uh, then he shoots and injures Calloway. Um and then Calloway fires his pistol, but it's too far away. The bullets are landing short of Van Cleef, can't reach him. Uh, so Calloway starts walking towards him. Personally, I'd have run the other way. Yeah, what are you doing, mate, standing there? What's going on? <laughs> Come on. But then I suppose someone who believes, even though he's running away, he obviously thinks he's some big special dude for adding a couple more zeros on the bounty. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's probably why he thinks you know he's, he's bigger than what he is. So yeah. he's, walking, he's walking towards Van Cleef. Uh, bullets falling short. Van Cleve doesn't even break sweat. Attaches a grip extension to his pistol. Yeah. Shoots Callaway right between the eyes. He's a goner. Great you get shoot. people who look like they can shoot, like Eastwood and like Van Cleef. But yeah. sometimes you get people who just don't look like they can shoot, do they? But right from the off, Van Cleef looks like he can shoot. Yeah. Comfortable yeah. with everything, isn't he? You know? Yeah. Uh, so he gets the bounty for Calloway. He gets $1,000. Uh, and so while he's there, because he's in the sheriff's office collecting his bounties, he's a poster for Baby Red Kavanagh with a bounty of $2,000 and wants to know, you know, what's known of him. So the sheriff tells him that uh, Red Kavanagh was last seen a week ago at White Rocks, but somebody else had been asking about him. Never yeah, seen him yeah. before, but his name was Monko. There were three different names, weren't they, for him? Is that there right? There was, yeah. yeah. Um, 
See, I need to ask this question. So is this the same guy from the first film? No, and that's to do with a lot of legal rights from the production okay. companies from the first one who said they owned the character from the first one, who right. was called Joe, which we talked about, yeah. uh, which was one of a couple of names that he was originally called anyway. Uh, but he still feels like the same person. He's, Although yeah. having said that, he isn't. he isn't acting the same, if you think about it. It's way more comedic to yeah. a certain degree and um so he is very different but that's obviously not just the character being different but also Clint Eastwood yeah. <laughs> progressing as an actor but as well. But there's the same so. things like the poncho and the gun, the yeah. pistol grips, um the hat. And I think also was... if it was as well, you'd think he'd be looking at Indio and thinking, I've not seen you before. It's his twi <laughs> twin brother. It's like Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's the twin. same kit though. The same gear he's wearing, isn't it? It is the same gear in that and I think that's like a a nod to the first one and how popular that yeah. was and how popular his character was. Yeah. So without him being explicitly the same guy, it's you sort of think it is him. In we can way. equate it to Doctor Who, I suppose. Can't yeah, we? you could do in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way of thinking Or James about Bond. It. Yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. Well, Manco well, is Spanish for one armed, which will have a bit more meaning as yeah. we get on with this scene. Um, and of course, in America, he's, he's just known as the man with no name. He wasn't called. The references to his name were cut. Yeah. So you know, he is just a man with no name. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got all the same gear. So yeah, we say he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and in the British print as well, the sheriff saying his name was cut was cut over here too. So then, um, because you know the sheriff said about him, great. It cuts to Clint. We're fi we finally, for the first time, we yeah. see Clint Eastwood in it. Um, we see. Well, actually, the first thing we see is his pistol grip and the poncho as he's walking a horse, not a mule this time, like he had in a fistful of dollars. He's got a horse. Yeah. Uh, rain starts to fall down, and you can tell it's it's like movie rain because it's very bright and sunny everywhere. <laughs> Although that does happen. It's like monsoon type, yeah, weather, isn't it? It, it does. does happen. Yeah, it does yeah. happen. But it, yeah. that's... I know you mean. Yeah, it is a bit... <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they've got the rain looks machine there. so cool, though, doesn't he? It, it, yeah, oh, he looks... Yeah. You know, I think he looks about the best he's looked in films in this. I think he yeah. looks so good in it. Um, the camera pulls back, reveals the town sign. We're in White Rocks. He lights his cigar. This, this is another thing that's returned, the cigars that he hates. And again, you'll see this is a film. Keep watching. We said in the, in Fistful of Dollars, yeah. he fucking hated them. Watch how many times he has a cigar in this, but it's not lit. It's just there because he yeah, yeah. Them. You yeah. get away with that with the cigar though, because a lot of people tend to just drag on them when they've sort of gone out them yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And also, he obviously lights it always with his left hand to keep his right hand on his pistol oh, at all times. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and he enters the saloon. Um, there's card game going on. Uh, this well, there's everything going on. It's a really busy, smoky saloon. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, the first thing he sees is a sheriff who's fraternising with some saloon girls. Uh, and again, straight away, it's a great way of getting you know characters across. You know, this sheriff is he's a bit of a Jack the Lad. You know what I mean? It's the way he's talking to the saloon girls and so on. But not doing a very good job because. You know, you've got all these wanted uh, posters up everywhere, and people. but that the reason is for that is because they they are utterly hopeless and they and no, not courageous at all. You know, so yeah, and he just yeah. wants to, a quiet life. The sheriff yeah. does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, really good thing in this scene to watch out for. It's in this scene because it's the same. There's only one poncho that Clint had throughout all three spaghetti western films. And if you remember, in a fistful of dollars, he was shot uh, in the heart. 
wasn't he, by Ramon? Yeah, he had that. He had the metal. That, yeah, yeah, so the holes of the poncho are still in it. That's amazing. So what he's done in this film is he's worn his poncho back to front. So oh, the holes brilliant. that were on the left front are now on the back shoulder blade on the right hand side and that's you can amazing. see you can see where they've been sewn up the holes have been sewn up oh wow that's a real fine detail yeah there. that's about that's it, it's you can see it a few times but this is the scene where it's, it's the clearest that you can see them and if you pause if, it at the right moment it's you can see them very clearly because if he had come in with the hole at the same place that would then make yeah. you think it's the same character yeah wouldn't it but yeah it's not yeah it's not though but it's a good it's a nice little yeah. thing to watch out for yeah. So he asks the sheriff for a light, uh, asks if he knows Baby Kavanagh. Sheriff tells him, well, points him to the table where he's playing poker at. And I love this scene because Clint just like interrupts the poker game, stops everybody else that's playing with Red Kavanagh, deals yeah. five cards to Red and himself. Uh, so while this card game between the two of them is going on, it then cuts to the barber's shop. And you see a man who's halfway through being shaved. Yeah. The sheriff, the slimy, sneaky shit of a sheriff, <laughs> yeah. ap appears at the window and gets this guy's attention. Obviously, obviously saying, oh, quick, come on, Red could be in trouble. C yeah. Come and help out. Back to the card game. Clint wins the dealt hand. And these are the first words that are said between the pair of them that are playing this game. And it's by uh, Red Kavanagh. And he said, uh, didn't hear what the bet was. Two words by Clint, and he delivers the, just these two words of your life. Brilliant. And then there's a fight starts between them. And again, this is coming, like you said, with keeping his right hand on his gun and why he's called a manco, which is like, you know, one handed, one armed. Uh, he just uses his left hand. It for... does. It's very much like karate to a certain extent. He does do karate chops as well, Which he? would not have been around back in those days, no. but it's quite interesting that. You know, that, that, that that's what he uses so that's yeah. brilliant. it's really it's a really good actual fight scene i like this fight scene it, it looks really realistic to me it so, does yeah, yeah. And, that's, yeah. and you wouldn't think so if you're thinking well, he's not using one hand that's going to be yeah. a bit weird but it you know it, it works it does yeah so this fight's going on and then three men enter the saloon one of them is like the half shaved guy <laughs> another little gag yeah yeah he yeah. still hasn't <laughs> finished it he hasn't even wiped the foam off his face or anything it's not one of those films where, you know, it, it, it's ludicrous, isn't it? That you're standing there with half a beard. Oh, yeah. But it's not one of those films where you just laugh at. You, you're, it's not like that. But no. it is, it's, it's like a sort of under your breath, you sort of acknowledge, oh, yeah. that's a really clever little joke there. Yeah, really and especially looking yeah. back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So they want, they let Red go. And Clint has got his back to the saloon door, but he sees the three guys through the big mirror that's at the, you know, the back of the bar. Spins around, fires three shots. This is, again, like the character in A Fistful of Dollars. Three shots, kills all three of them. So while he's now facing the saloon doors, Red is on the floor, because he's been beaten up quite a bit. He's making his way to his gun, which is on the floor. Clint doesn't even turn around. He just like no, points, no. points his gun behind him, fires. Now, which, I've got to say, go on. the line of sight from that gun. <laughs> I'm so glad you've picked a point. It's way <laughs> off, mate. <laughs> Uh, it, it's way off. He, he was nowhere. You watch <laughs> where the gun is. He's pointing nowhere near him, is he? You know, there's me saying how good Clint Eastwood look, looks at shooting, but I'm talking about when he's looking down the sight of yeah. the gun. Yeah. But this is just, no, it, it's way, way <laughs> It's almost like at, what, at one o'clock, isn't it? That, that, yeah. It's a, yeah. So where it's mental. It's A, pointing upwards and at the wrong angle to the right as well. So it's crazy. But yeah, yeah we'll let you, that go though. You have to let it go. Yeah, do. I have to let that go. But you'd have thought, oh, you thought they'd done another take of that one. Try and get, Definitely. Try and get it a little bit closer yeah. to where he is. Yeah. Uh, but he does holster the gun with a very fancy spin, which is yes. kind of cool. 
So then he collects his dollars from the sheriff, um, who pisses and moans. And let's get it right. This is the sheriff who sent those three bad guys to kill him. Anyway, uh, he goes, oh, yeah, it, it take me three years to earn that. So Clint says, oh, isn't the sheriff supposed to be courageous, loyal and above all honest? The sheriff says, yes, that, that he is. And Clint just calmly takes the badge off him, walks out the sheriff's office. There's some of the, uh, the townspeople there. Says, you people need a new sheriff. Rides out of town. I think go. the sheriff got away lightly there, mate, considering Definitely. he sent the guys in to kill him. Definitely. And, and in fact, as well, he's playing lawman there, if you think about it. He, he's in control himself. Yeah. Rather than rather than the pathetic, non-courageous yeah, law, uh, the sheriff himself, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But isn't it great? That's, that's both of the main characters set up. Really set up quickly, yeah. yeah. And even... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking... Right, but it's obviously about these guys are going to go against each other and that. That's my that's that's where I think the whole film, yeah. you know, as a kid, as how it's going to go. But of course, it's way more in depth than that. This movie. You know? Oh yeah, it's, there's there's yeah. a lot to it really. You know, the, yeah. the story in it has got a, a lot of depth to it. Yeah, totally. Um, but the way that it's told is so it's so lean. It's it's yeah. great. You know, there's not a lot of fat on the story at all, and you know, you don't piss around you know with having to explain everything it all naturally occurs as you're watching it which is yeah. good I mean, in fact the funny thing is if any film these days is two over two hours to me i sometimes i think myself oh, for fuck, i can't be doing with this yeah. you know but with this it just flies by it you know? does yeah it yeah. really does yeah um and we got of course now we know clint eastwood's character name we still don't know lee van cleef's character name nope. that's, that's still not come up he's you know this mysterious bounty hunter we know they're both bounty hunters at this point yeah um but that's it. Which, which going back to that era was exactly like that. You know, it was mm. even it's funny, isn't it? How the whole moral side of like dueling and all that sort of stuff, because in my mind, I just think to myself, I'll just shoot every bastard. They go. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that standing around, you know, waiting to draw. But obviously that you had this moral obligation back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so yeah, you'd just be firing like mad, wouldn't you, mate? Yeah, I'd be defending myself. Yeah. <laughs> Gun in each hand. It's firing I'd like wildly. to think I'd be really good back in those days. Yeah, I do like to think that. <laughs> yeah. You'd be hanging from the gallows before you knew it, mate. That'd be it. I'd probably pick up some sort of STI, though, so that's a bit worried about that. <laughs> you'd be found upstairs at a saloon somewhere. <laughs> It'd be all right, though. They wouldn't find me. I'd just take my moustache off. So <laughs> That's it. He's disappeared. Where's he gone? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, so we've got the two main characters. They were all set up. Uh, we now go to... We see a gang of men, and they're climbing a building. We, again, we don't know who these men are. Uh, these exterior shots were filmed in Almeria, in Spain. The interior shots that we're just about to get into were shot in studios in Rome as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it cuts to a prison cell. It's got two men in it. One of them's awake and pacing around the cell, one seemingly asleep. Uh, and we find out that the person that you think is asleep is El Indio. Think yeah. we talk about He's the bad guy. Uh, El Indio was originally called Tombstone in uh, the original yeah. scripts. Um, and like you said, Volante dubbed his own voice into this. Uh, he did walk off set one day after a long shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a bit volatile. Uh, but not too many other stories of onset unhappiness. But he, he I think was, that's the only one. The only yeah, one. Yeah. He was pissed off um, with the whole Western genre and said that he didn't want to do any more and he went into more uh, like political films uh, yeah. as he went forward as well. So they're busted out of the prison cell it's it's indio's gang that have come in uh and indio 
like the twat that he is. Again, it's setting up his character really early. You know what he's like. He shoots the, the prison cell mate that was in there with him. Yeah, doesn't doesn't let him escape with his gang. No, shoots him, and he takes something from him. Yeah. Which at this, this point... is where you see him have the gun into his torso, isn't it? Yes. Well. Yeah. yeah. Which was the, uh, again because Sergio Leone had no idea how it was done in America. I never realised as well. You you tended to never see that. You'd see the. I think you mentioned this last time with any of the gunfights. I think you would yeah. see the 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 shot taken, and then in most films you'd see then the character fall or whatever. Two separate shots, wasn't it? Two yeah. separate shots. Yeah. Whereas in this, he was just going about his business, how he made films. Yeah. And you could see it happen. Obviously, you didn't see anything like blood splat or anything like that, but you you actually could see him there. And there's lots of gratuitous things in here as well, which the British board couldn't stand and wanted to censor as well. So it's crazy. Yeah, because yeah. one of them, um, well, this is obviously you know, later on in the film, particularly. Oh, particularly, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So he shot his, his prison cell mate that was in there, and he takes he takes a thing from him. Again, you don't know what this thing is, but he's, he's taking it with him. And Idio and the gang shoot their way out of the prison. Along the way, they get to a door with like a flap at the top of it. It looks like a cat flap, but at face height, doesn't it? It looks like yeah. one of those. Uh, and you sort of presume, you know, it's it's the prison you know, warden, whoever, you know, one of the big wigs of the prison. And uh, El Indio puts his gun through there and fires multiple times. This is one of the things that was originally cut as well. I remember watching it back with my dad way back when, and I think he only shot like about twice. Um, whereas this one, he shoots a few times and then he puts his gun through again and shoots a load more times. That was one that was originally cut. Okay, yeah. Uh, so they've escaped from prison. Um, again, you don't know who El Indio is, um, but you know he's a badass. We I mean, as we said earlier, as he goes on, he almost becomes so theatrical, doesn't he? Oh, he does, actor. yeah. It's, it, but it, rightly so. I think he, he he's almost like that comic book villain to me. Yeah. You know? almost, even borderline, like, pantomime villain at some points, you know. it's Yeah. You can almost think some of his gang shouting, he's behind you. It's, you know, he's just so far <laughs> over the top at times. Yep. But it does work, you know, it really yeah. does work. So then we see Indio and his gang and there was a family's house, it's man, wife, uh, little baby. And Indio asks, how old is the boy? In fact, it isn't a boy. It's a girl. It's uh, Leone's daughter, youngest yeah. daughter, Francesca. Yeah. Who yeah. uh, gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice part for you, for yeah. your newborn daughter, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to put you in one of my films and you're going to be shot. Yeah. Something. This is, again, to show how bad this guy is. Yeah, exactly. It really is it's, because it's, you're yeah. willing to kill the woman and the child. You don't. I mean, it could be worse. You could see it. I, and films these days, you'd see that shit happen as well. But I like this way of doing it, where it's yeah. done. It's in off screen, room. isn't it? Yeah, off screen. Yeah, because yeah, Indio gets his gang members. They take they take the wife and the little baby out, and you just hear the gunshots. But as you hear the gunshots, you see the father's face, don't you? And it's yep. like, oh my god. Uh, and then, of course, Indio says, you know, now you hate me just enough. <laughs> uh, and you hear, this is where you hear that this the father character took money to put Indio behind bars. That's why Indio's doing this. Yeah. Um, and Indio's pissed off because he started a family. I think it's he's pissed off because the guy had a shag while Indio was in prison. And yeah, just, most likely. He could yeah. have had a shag with his cellmate, though. He could he? have had it if he wanted yeah. that. Fair enough. Maybe that's why he shot him. He didn't want his cellmate telling tales to his gang. <laughs> <laughs> that he was always diving for the soap first. That was it. it. Yeah, keep yeah. that a secret from him. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good setup for this first little jewel section here as well. It is, yeah, because we see Indio pull out a pocket watch, the chiming pocket watch, and there's you know there's the classic gunfight, but nobody can draw until the chiming stops. And now, hold on quickly, is this the first time? So 
have we already seen um, Lee Van Cleef's pocket watch? No, we haven't. No, no. we haven't. Sorry. Okay. Apart from it, like in rewatches, you see sort of the yeah, chain yeah, yeah. on his waistcoat, but you haven't yeah, seen yeah. really the watch as such. Yeah. Um, so then, and then you have to show him. He, uh, he just has a little bit of the marijuana, doesn't he? Right. This is really funny because the, you know. I've no, I don't I've, I've tried it once before years and years and years ago, but I'm not into that sort of stuff at all. And it really is. If anything, it makes it, it made me laugh years ago, mm. like, hysterically. Right. Don't enjoy that sort of crap at all. But the funny thing is, Sergio Leone did not realize what the how he became, how he was acting in this was the opposite of how you would be on marijuana. <laughs> yeah. He had no idea. It, it, it's quite, but it, it's quite funny to watch. But that, that just goes to show how back then in the 60s he did not know how really that that because it was quite yeah. new it, it was it, it was becoming more mainstream wasn't it for people to be taking mm. that sort of stuff yeah. so it was a bit more unknown by that point so yeah yeah, yeah but, but it is but, funny to see indio acting as though he's like on some other drug completely like on lsd or something yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah if it was yeah. lsd yeah you can imagine that yeah but, it's, but this does set up a nice what i would say some of the best the first time you see some really cool cinematography on the close-ups and stuff for this bit or, or we know it shifts to each character in this dual moment and that i i love all that yeah so, yeah it is really good really cool so then he's he's passed out he's had his weed hasn't he um and then we've got um, lee van cleef calling him that because we still don't know his character name yeah. uh he's meeting the bank manager in tukumkari and he's wanting info he's asking you know what bank would be impossible to rob uh, he's, he's obviously heard that el indio uh, is is out and yeah. knows that he's you know a mentalist and that's what he'll go for he'll go for the biggest most impossible bank to rob and the bank manager tells him oh it's the bank in el paso cut to el paso and we see clint riding into el paso he's on the same trail he knows what's going to happen as well and you know these they two don't have to get around quick these people don't they they do they've got fast horses mate <laughs> they? they've got fast travel like they red have, dead, just like red dead mate yeah they, <laughs> <laughs> Uh. So he's approached by this lad called uh, Fernando, and who Abba wrote a song about <laughs> years later. I <laughs> knew. Terrible. Awful. I had to go there, didn't no, I? No, I would have done exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, it's the typical. I mean, you get it when you go abroad anyway. You get the ones, oh, here's a tourist. Let's scam him. You know, let's take as much money from him as we can. So this lad's going, oh, yeah, I'll look after your horse. Give me some money. I'll tell you, stay in that saloon. That's got, you know, don't stay in that one. That's got yep. roaches and flies and everything. Stay in that one. That's cleaner. And it's got a landlady. And she doesn't care that she's married. And you might get a shag if you're lucky, <laughs> is, is what he tells him, basically. Yeah. Um, so the landlady, uh, Mary is the character name. Is oh, played. she's awesome. German, oh, awesome actress. Yeah. Just, Mara yeah. Krupp. Lovely red-headed mm. with a massive knockers. Well, you know what? It's those massive knockers <laughs> that probably helped in some of the later parts. She didn't do much acting. This was only a second <laughs> acting gig, right? She only did 14 in total. Uh, other parts that she got included parts as a saloon girl. Yeah. Big knockers, obviously an advantage yeah. there. A part this is how she's listed on IMDb. Participant in orgy sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I presume that was the titwank scene that she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and brothel mother was another one. So uh, yeah, I think her uh, ample cleavage 
helped her in those parts as well. Again, these characters in this film, you know, even these smaller characters, they're just so visually appealing. It, they, oh, yeah. it really makes up the movie, doesn't it? And bit. the thing is, putting her putting her cleavage to one side for a minute, it's the, the faces <laughs> well, on. I don't think we can, Dan. <laughs> squashing them down, shall we say? Then instead of putting them to one side. Uh, the, the face, Leone's got such a great eye for people's faces because, of course, one of the things with him as a director, and you mentioned it earlier, mate, when he goes in for those extreme close-ups on the faces and he's, he's he got some great faces to look at in all of these spaghetti western films. You really it's funny because I'm not, I'm, you may know the terms, but this camera work they use was almost like the poor man's version they had in America. Am I right in saying that? Did you know? Did you see anything about that? It's the letterbox mode, but it, he worked out a way that it was generally great for like long distance wide shots and close ups. Well. Yeah, not he uses the full frame. A good, yeah, but not particularly so good for the sort of mid range hmm. framing. He shots, does seem but. to do a lot of ex- extreme close ups with a lot of the stuff, though, doesn't he, Leone? And it, yeah. really, it really does work. Yeah. And um, Mara Krupp is still alive, mate. Is uh, she? Yeah, in fact, this year she will be 85. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Is she still ginger or has she got... I don't know. I presume she's grey and her ample cleavage is sort of now around her knees. <laughs> <laughs> she uses them to rest on when she's doing the gardening. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, but you see, so you see her, you see her husband who is uh, vertically challenged, should we say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they've, they've got no rooms. The, the husband said, no, there's no rooms. You can't stay here. So uh, Clint Eastwood just... She's in love. She, she, the way she's looking... She loves she's him. Good. She's... God, yeah. You can almost hear drips on the floor from her. She's so excited <laughs> to see him. And uh, he just he just casually walks upstairs, throws a man out of his room. <laughs> Who, by the way, is almost like a little midget himself. He is so, a bit, yeah. He yeah. is, really, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, no, no disrespect to the midget... Uh, the, 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 you know, the... <laughs> The vertically challenged person. The little, person. the little person. The little person. I thank you for. I think little person there, is. The, I was a bit the... worried about what I was going to say there. Yeah. I think, I think you said. <laughs> again, a bit more of a comical character yeah. again, this guy. You yeah. Know, a bit over the top. Oh, kind. definitely over the top. Yeah. yeah. So the guy that's been thrown out of the room, he, he's complaining and, and, you know, he's complaining at the desk as Clint Eastwood appears again, walking down the stairs with a pair of like long johns in his hands uh, and saying, I don't wear them. Yeah. And it's at this point where. You know, Mary uh, is she's oh beside herself. Oh, she's like all of a flutter. She gets she gets the vapors. Oh my word, she's so excited. Have uh, you ever gone um, commando? Commando? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I, yeah, because I went for about a period of three or four years going commando. Yeah. The thing to remember is but you have to make sure you got no bottom problems going on because you can get <laughs> you know definite markage. Definite the... markage. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Round the back, if you're going commando, you get definite markage around the back. But when you've had a pee, you've got to be so careful with that zip. Oh, oh, oh my God. Especially in our case, you know, that's been highly hung. You know. <laughs> Takes a lot of tucking in before you put your zip on. I did it the other day, actually, because if, in... <laughs> if I'm indoors, I'll wear just shorts. Like at the moment, I'll be wearing shorts when I'm in, in here. And they're ones with a zipper. Mm-hmm. And I made that exact mistake the other day. And it is painful as anything. Oh, yeah. I'm not water. bigging myself up here. But it was just it just clipped the end of that foreskin, and it was rough, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, isn't that the great thing about these shows? People come for Clint Eastwood, and they get Ben's foreskin talk. <laughs> ben Ford skin. If you like. Oh, nice one, mate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. For a few foreskins more. That's. The <laughs> So now, so we've got again, we've got Clint Eastwood. Fist for the Ford skin. 
these are the parody movies that you could make, mate. Board skin fists back. <laughs> what? <laughs> right, I think we better move on, Dave. Let's, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> she'll rein you in. <laughs> and, uh, we now see, we see Indio's gang. And they're in uh, a dilapidated church, really run down. The church that you see there now, in real life, is, is yeah. a working church now. It's all been done up, and it's a proper working church that you can visit. That Fingers crossed, I'm hoping to visit at some point in the future. Because I always well, said, I'd love, love to do a Dollars Trilogy tour all around all around Spain, around there. If not saving our money, Dave, I'll come with you. We'll yeah, go and oh, do it. that'd be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This was, is a great scene coming up as well. It's a cracking scene. Almost a, like a very religious scene. It is very, um, yeah. And didn't we? We talked about it in A Fistful yeah. of Dollars, all the religious iconography and that, um, and it's the same in this. And this is where, as well, you know, we've said about Clint Eastwood's character and Lee Van Cleef's character, how they're set up. This is this is the point where Indio's character is set up, and you, you sort of get the three points of the triangle where everything's sort of yeah. focused. And it's this scene that sort of rounds it off. Absolutely. But he's yeah. kind of going against who he really is, you know? Yeah. Is acting upon even the whole movement. They're almost like disciples, sort of scattered around. Looking well, they up. are. Yeah, there is very much again, like fistful of dollars. You know, um, Last Supper references in it. Like you said, yeah. the way that they're all sat around and all of that. It's very it's much brilliantly like it. done. Brilliant. And of course, it's in the church as well. You know, which is the big obvious yeah. one. Um, so they're all in there, and the door flies open, and a new character, Groggy, arrives. Oh, yeah. uh, asks um, Indio asks Groggy about Sancho. Again, who's Sancho? We don't know this. Yeah, I would, they missed the trick there because I would have turned around and said, "How are you feeling, mate?" <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh. Grog, uh. This bit as well, and this is easily missed. Groggy pisses India off a bit because because yeah. when India asks about Sancho, he said, "Oh, he got caught. You know, he's in prison. I've got no time for men who get caught." Of course, India got caught, didn't he? He's just been busted out, and you can see on India's face, he's a little bit pissed off. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. You instantly realise that Groggy is uh, certainly a more um, intelligent member of the gang. Yeah, and it doesn't really fear Indio as much as the rest of the gang as well. You know, yeah, doesn't mind saying it, saying it as it is. So it's now that we see uh, Indio. He he gets the thing that he took from his cellmate, and he gets up into the the parapet, and he tells a parable about a carpenter. This carpenter, in fact, being the yeah. cellmate that he shot dead. And it's how this carpenter was hired to make a safe, but to make the safe disguised as a cabinet, you know, so we made the cabinet. Uh, and it was, again, it, the carpenter tells the story to El Indio. El Indio's telling it to his gang. And it's one day the carpenter was in El Paso and he saw the cabinet that he'd made in the bank. And so he knows that all the money isn't in this massive safe that nobody dare rob in the bank in El Paso. It's yeah. in this wooden cabinet. And in it, it's got just under a million dollars. Which is a lot of money. Fucking hell. As we get to the end of the film, mate, I worked out exactly how much Clint Eastwood walks away with in today's money as well. Did you actually work it out? I did. Conversion. Oh, brilliant. Well, tell us when we get there, obviously. But yeah, it's brilliant. I I typed it online. I didn't do it in my head. But. (laughs) 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 Uh, So, yeah, it. it, Where did you get the little model from, though? Who, well, made, who made that? Well, you know, the, the carpenter must have made it because it looks like a plaster model of the exactly cabinet right. because that's what yeah. El Indio took from the carpenter after he killed him. Right. Okay. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know, was it like the carpenter's sort of pacifier he always carried with him, like his version yeah, of his yeah. little blanket or something? I don't know. Um, but it, you know, either way. But it doesn't really explain that. Another thing it doesn't explain is why was the carpenter in prison in the first place with Indio? 
it doesn't say why he was in it. doesn't need to, really, but it was just one of those things I thought. Didn't explain that. No. Uh, so now, again, we go. So we know everything that's happening. We know El Paso Bank. We know the money's in this cabinet. We see Lee Van Cleef in El Paso Bank. Um, and the bank manager in this scene is played by Carlo Simi. He's the film set designer. Uh, that's right, yeah. yeah, it's his only film appearance. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, if you're going to be in one film in your life, it's not a bad one to be in, really, is it? He didn't look wooden or anything, really. I know there wasn't much to do on that scene, but he, he didn't. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can't stand in front of the camera, you know, at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've got all the characters coming together. We know all the characters are just all going to converge on El Paso. We know that Clint and um, Lee Van Cleef, they're after Indio. We know Indio's going to rob the bank, and we know that the, everything's in a cabinet. So Indio's gang arrive, uh, and Fernando, the little shit that Fernando is, whistles up to Clint, who's still in the, in his room, in, in the, yeah. like the hotel place. So the landlady, Mary, her of the cleavage, uh, yeah. <laughs> she sees through the window Fernando whistling, and she knows that he's, you know, shouting Clint Eastwood down. So she starts preening herself and all of this. Yeah. Clint walks by, totally ignores her. Doesn't, doesn't give, give a shit. Doesn't give yeah. her a second look, does he? She's quite no. disappointed at that. It was uh, even a little bit anti the ginger back then, even in those even, days. Oh, even back in the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> How far does that you know, go I love back? a redhead, didn't you? I've never actually been with one, though, but I love them. Well, there you go, then. Yeah, that's the next mission for me. Mission. My, ne my next bounty <laughs> I'm taking out. <laughs> Well, this, this is where we see what a little shit Fernando is, really, because you go, oh, I've got some info for you. So Clint Eastwood, like, flips him a coin. A stranger coming to town, and he's, like, flipping the coin, so Clint Eastwood flips him another one. And there's another stranger I can tell you about. And it's like, fuck, you greedy little shit. Yeah. So Clint Eastwood rightly gets him by the scruff of the neck and says, look, tell me what's going on. So he said, okay, yeah, strangers have come in. They've, they've all walked into that saloon over there. Clint Eastwood goes into the saloon just in time to see Lee Van Cleef walking down the stairs, nice yeah. and calm, again. Uh, and at the bar is some of Indio's uh, gang, one of them being Klaus Kinski as a hunchback. The awesome Klaus Kinski. Known throughout the film as Hunchback, but his character has got a name, uh, which is Juan Wild. Yeah. is the character's name but everybody calls him hunchback when you're talking about yeah this another very animated looking character as very well. oh he's so he's, yeah. he's like got the text and when you piss him off he's like to me he's almost got the the, 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 the yeah he has yeah he's got those little ticks well but i think it almost the hunch itself looks kind of very false if, if yeah. you know what i mean yeah like, almost almost like out of uh, young frankenstein that type of <laughs> Wouldn't it doesn't have, move. It doesn't change place say, or anything like that. But, wouldn't you know. it have been amazing if it did go from his left shoulder to I his right? I did watch the film keeping an eye on that as well, just in case there wasn't a little hidden gag in there as well. Oh, that. that would have been Even hilarious. though it was pre-Young um, <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah, I didn't know good, whether they yeah. might have taken it from there. So, oh, yeah. That would have been the best reference yeah. ever. Yeah, superb. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Lee Van Cleef, cool as the proverbial cucumber, strikes a match on Klaus Kinski's hump. Yeah, lights his pipe with it, and and like Hunchback goes for his gun, but the other gang member stops him, and uh, he's twitching. Hunchback's twitching. They have yeah. a bit of a swap, a few words, and it ends up with the gang just walking out. And why would they be doing that? Do you reckon? Well, I think it's pretty obvious now. Yeah, that he, he's <laughs> sussed it out that they're going to do something in this town because they don't want to cause trouble. They want to yeah. keep it quiet yeah. uh, because the barman tells him as well, doesn't he? Oh, you know, normally he would have killed you. There's something going on. 
So now we see the gang and the like the scope in the bank, the counting the outside bank guards as they do the patrol around it and the counting, how long it takes them. So you're thinking, okay, so they're, they start counting when the, the guards leave the front door of the bank. So you're thinking, obviously, that's how they're going to go into the bank when they do yeah. the robberies. How long is it going to take? And that's what, because Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef are both watching them, that's what they think the plan's going to be as well. So you've got Lee Van Cleef um, with a telescope. You've got Clint Eastwood with a pair of binoculars. Um, per perverts. Perverts, the pair of them. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Van Cleef was watching the uh, the cleavage of the uh, hotel room, and, yeah. and he just happened to watch the gang scope in the bank. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so they see them doing that, and then they spy each other. And, and Clint's fine with it. He he wanted to be yeah. seen, didn't he, really? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah totally. but Lee Van Cleef looks a bit sort of suspicious and going, oh, what the fuck's going on? Who is he? Yeah. So then we see Lee Van Cleef, he's, he's going through old newspapers, uh, and he comes across the picture of Clint Eastwood, finds out that he's a bounty hunter because Clint Eastwood's there with his foot up on a dead body and says, you know, bounty hunter kills. Now then, this is where we find out more or less what year it's set in because the publication date of that page that he's looking at is June the 15th, 1872. Oh, man, nice. So we know that obviously it was it was after that happened. How How long afterwards, we don't know, but we know it's after June the 15th, 1872. Yeah. So now he's wise to his bounty hunter. So how's Clint going to find out who Lee Van Cleef's character is? He goes to see it. Because Clint as well, who, would, who back in those days would have actually stood there like that, foot up on a body, and taken a pose for a photograph? Mm. And this like is that. yeah, this is where you'd have to stand for a while as well to have your yeah. picture taken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he knows who Clint is. Clint's going to find out who Lee Van Cleef is. He, he goes to this crazy old man, the, the old prophet we talked about oh, earlier, yeah. Joseph Edgar. Great guy. Uh, and the old the old prophets that is in the the most rickety like little cabin place. He refused to move. The train company wanted him to move out, but he refused to move. So the train company built the trains tracks right by the side of him. So every yeah. time a train goes past, it gets filled with all the steam. The place shakes like fuck. Comedy moment, which you talked about, mate. You see uh, the train goes past. Everywhere's shaking like mad. Yeah. Uh, and Clint Eastwood's trying to light his cigar. <laughs> And he can't do it because his hand's shaking everywhere. Uh, and again, it's it's not over-the-top slapstick, like we said, but it's... Is this the scene where he's got his hat on his foot as well? Yeah, he's sat cross-legged yeah, yeah. with his hat on his yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. good. This was the, this the scene I was saying about. I don't know, you know, I can't remember we were recording at this point, but this is the one that was put in after the fact, one of the last scenes to yeah. be made. Yeah. yeah, to sort of split up a bit of the... The timing of the humour was done was put in really well in this film, yeah. you know, to, to split it all up. And it's good, isn't it? Because we just found out, you know, Lee Van Cleef's just found out who Clint's character is. So it's only good that yeah. you immediately go the opposite way. And you find yeah, out. totally. Uh, and the prophet says he's Colonel Douglas Mortimer. Uh, was a brave soldier, the best shot in the Carolinas, and he's now a bounty hunter. Uh, although Lee Van Cleef as well, it's worth noting, we did talk about his voice. Uh, he didn't perform the part in a Carolina Southern accent. Uh, he just used his own New Jersey accent in it. It would have okay. been weird if, like, Lee Van Cleef doing, like, you know, Southern American accent it wouldn't work for me. No, oh, yeah. No, it would have been a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we go to uh, Mortimer now. We still call him that, Mortimer. 
in his room uh, and this uh, this Chinese guy comes in. Very, I love this Chinese guy because he looks like he's going to shit his pants at any minute. Well, this was something of that era as well, wasn't it? Almost slavery going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, just using yeah. him as, you know, as the dog. Another comedy moment as well, kind Big of. Big comedy well, moment, yeah, yeah because yeah. He, he just like packs without saying a word to him. And you can tell he's so scared. Yeah. He packs all of Mortimer's stuff up into this bag yeah. and then runs out of the room and goes downstairs. Yeah. And again, like all the way through the film, Mortimer, cool as anything. He doesn't lose his temper at all, does he? He's never flustered. No. He's just going, okay, what's going on? Goes downstairs. I always think of trading places every time you say Mortimer. I don't know why. Just, <laughs> honestly, it keeps popping into my does head. It? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, mate, sorry. Uh, yeah, he goes downstairs and Clint Eastwood's waiting outside. And um, he's, he's telling him, right, take, he tells the Chinese guy, take the bags to the station. The guy's leaving town. And then it comes at another comedy moment, like I say, with uh, Mortimer saying, no, take the bags upstairs. And Eastwood's going, no, to the station, upstairs, to the station. And then the Chinese guy yeah. just drops the bag, screams and runs. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the comedy continues because they, they're facing each other off. They're weighing each other up, aren't they? Like oh, They okay. were told to act like children. On this and bit. they do, don't they? They're, yeah. They sort of and that, that, was that, was that, I can't remember. Is that for the purpose of the screenwriter? I think they were saying about the screenwriter not wanting to be on board. Hmm. Unless he, he didn't, he did not like how it was. I'll have to look into that. I'm really sorry, but there's there's something about, and I can't remember exactly what it was. But someone wasn't on board until this. It got explained to him yeah. that it, it, the, the, he didn't like the fact the kids were in this film quite a lot, basically yeah. on this thing. But they made it look like make it look like how you were when you were kids. You know, you know, like when we were kids, we'd have little games and sort of play around this kind of way. What's coming up now? Oh yeah. Because they're circling each other. Fernando and his mates, by the way, a couple of his mates are hidden yeah. underneath. That's uh, right, all watching it. All they're all well watching happening. it going on, and they're taking yeah. bets on who's going to win. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Eastwood, like, because Mortimer's got shiny shoes on, and Eastwood's got, you know, just like suede boots on. Yeah. And, uh, he, he just, like, puts his foot on Mortimer's boots and rubs the <laughs> dirt into it. If anyone did that to me, I'll be whipping my big weapon out and <laughs> shooting them. them straight away. Yeah. That's uh, what, this is what I don't get. And again, this proves that they have morals, both these guys. Yeah. Because I think someone like, um, you know, Indio's uh, character, he would just probably go for oh, his weapon immediately and just try and shoot. He'd have lost it, wouldn't he? He'd have lost yeah. it completely. Yeah, totally. Uh, but then, yeah, that Mortimer does it back to Eastwood and they're like looking at each other. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, th they part. You think, oh, okay, this is, this is the oh, shootout. Good, One of them's going to die. This is the big shootout. Uh, and Eastwood shoots Mortimer's hat off and it goes flying in the air. Sound effects, you just hear this whistling. It's really over the top whistling sound yeah. as it goes in the air. And it's Oh, when it comes down. And, it, yeah. <laughs> and before it hits the floor, it, it fires again. Up it goes. Again, the iconic gunshots that we had from A Fistful of Dollars are in this as well. Yeah. Uh, and he does it, you know, he does it like about four or five times. And then, then you hear the gun, the uh, not the gun, the hat falling with a... In fact, the sound on this is great, and the over, like you say, with the gun sounds, the over-the-top yeah. gun sounds. Everything about they it. They were mate. recorded in like corrals, big open corrals, to get that echo. Oh, and that's that sort good. Of it's so good. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and just quickly on that as well, what, what's funny for me is that if you know after the fact, in any of the duels, there's always a musical cue to make make you realise that it's going to go down. Yeah. So. You, you actually know it's not going to go down because there is no musical cue on this section. Uh -huh. But I found that out, obviously, just by listening to this guy on the commentary. Yeah. 
So he clearly looked into that quite deeply. But that is a fact that and all the duels and when there's a bit of actual um, like an actual violent scene to happen, there's the proper music that comes into play, ah, which I found really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Now you know that. And when you watch back now, it, 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 it gives it away immediately. Ah, oh, no, this is not going to go down. And also, it would have been a very short film if they sort of died at this point. You know what I mean? It if would you... be, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's all <laughs> at credits. That's it. Yeah. So I've got the hats getting further away as well. So Mortimer's walking further and further away from him. And it gets to the point where Clint Eastwood's bullets, much like when at the beginning of the film and Calloway was shooting at Mortimer and, you know, he was too far away, the bullets weren't reaching. Eastwood's bullets are, are not reaching Mortimer. Doesn't matter to Mortimer though, does he? Because he's got the you know the, the little pistol stock yeah. thing that he puts on, and he can fire further. And he's pointing at the gun at Eastwood, and you think, oh, okay, he's going to shoot and kill him. Which I mean, this is a good aim. This is a good this aim. is good to shoot his hat off his head. Without... Do you think that's possible? I don't think I don't so. Know. He'd have to obviously he'd have to have some space at the top of his hat. I don't, I don't know, probably not. But actually, no, because his hat more or less goes vertically up in the air, doesn't it? You'd have to be shooting. Mind you, we've already worked out that the guns don't line up with the bullets in this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so they do the same. Again, it's just sort of, you know, the, the sort of... It's a bit of, oh, mine's bigger than yours. Exactly. Nah, bigger than yours. It's it is, child, isn't it? Childlike. Yeah. yeah. So we go back, we're back into Mortimer's room now and they're having a drink together. And this is, this is like, you know, we said earlier, this is where they start calling each other boy and old man, even though there's only five years in between them. Um, it made me happy as well, this whole scene, because it's now at this point you realise they're going to team up. You just yes. feel it. And I yeah. like that, like the buddy, the buddy movie type thing. Yeah, you know? like a mini Expendables. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so the, the plan that they come up with, well, it's the plan actually that Mortimer comes up with, is they've got to infiltrate the gang um, because they know that the gang's going to rob El Paso. They need to know like when, how, all this kind of stuff. Um, and Clint has got to join the gang. And the reason for that yeah. is obviously is because Mortimer struck his match on Hunchback. Hunchback would go apeshit as soon as he saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just quickly as well, um, Mortimer is always, for the most part of this film, one step ahead of Eastwood. He is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Which, but, again, like you said, but, it makes him, you know, he's the more intelligent of the two. Yeah, the more, the more he's like the specialist hunter type. Mm. And in fact, Sergio Leone wanted his character, um, Lee Van Cleef's character, to be a kind of Clark Gable character. Ah. The, the survival, the, the survivalist type thing, you yeah. know, um, from Gone with the Wind. Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's crazy. It's it's crazy how that he is definitely more. That's why on the start of the show I said you're definitely the more Lee Van Cleef character out of the one that's <laughs> You're more intelligent, Dave. Oh, well, thank you. yeah. And that you know that that's scary when you think about it. Isn't it? it is. <laughs> if I'm the most intelligent, what, what does that make me? Christ, that's <laughs> you're putting, the, yeah, you're putting the bar low there, mate. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> So they say, well, okay, we know Clint's going to join the gang. They, they agree on an equal partnership because there's 14 in total that they're going up against. And, uh, you know, two against 14 is better. And, he's, and you know, Mortimer says it could be one against 15, you know, because he could be, yeah. he wants it. So it's better to team up. Uh, and then they say, okay, so you, Clint, as the reward for Indio, Mortimer for the rest of the gang. That doesn't add up because, oh, if you add up with the rest of the gang, that's more... So then they agree they'll split it evenly. So then how do, how does he get in the gang? Okay, so now we go back to when Groggy went into the church earlier saying, oh, Sancho got caught. Uh, Clint has to rescue Sancho. Yep. I keep referring to Clint as Clint because it's more natural yeah. than saying Mango. Uh, 
So he's got to go and rescue this Sancho, who we know is, you know, part of Groggy's gang, uh, and Indio's gang. Um, and this is where we, this is where we properly see uh, Mortimer with the pocket watch because he pulls yeah. it out. Is is at the window and he gets a bit sort of wistful as he's looking at it and talking to Clint. And um, Clint asks him about it, and, and you know if the question is not indiscreet. And then uh, Mortimer says, "Well, the answer might be." So you still don't really know much about the pocket watch. No, don't know what the relevance is. No, at all. but you when... now know that he's got one, and you know that Indio's got one. So you can. Tried to put a few things together there, but you still don't know what's going to happen. It's brilliant they had this thread of the whole film as well, mm. that, this whole story behind it as well. Yeah. Because this film could have had none of that side, which we'll obviously oh, yeah. we'll unveil more as we go on. But yeah. It didn't have to have that in there, no. did it, at all? Isn't it good, though, the way it just like feeds you little bits, though, as you yeah. keep going on? And you, yeah, you know, and, totally. And you, you, it's left to you if you want to try and put it together. Yeah. Uh, and you can go down the wrong road with it, because the way it goes is, is really good. Well, actually, I did go down the wrong road when I was doing it myself. Mm. So just... Yeah, uh, obviously you know there's a link, but I guessed it just a little bit differently, but ah, similar but differently. Yeah. 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 Well, we then see once again Indio is is stoned off his tits, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and of course he has he has this sort of weird well, flashback. He's thinking back with a sort of ripply visiony of what's yeah. happening. Sees a couple on a bed, man and woman, you know, sort of twenties. They're yeah. sat on a bed. They've got heart shaped box in front of them. Uh, which the woman opens, and inside this heart-shaped box, two pocket watches. Hmm, yeah. wonder who they could be. Yeah. So the guy, and the, so Indio is at the end of the bed, and he's, he's, he suddenly appears, uh, and the guy notices him, and he gets up from the bed. Indio shoots him three times. Yeah. No blood whatsoever in this, which is, no. that's one weird thing about it, and the guy's wearing this, like, white top. It's so obvious that he hasn't been shot. Um, but anyway, he's on the floor dead. Uh, and then so Indio approaches the woman. You don't know who the woman is yet, and she's got this, you know. In, in comes the rapey scene. Well, all, well, we don't know because this is she's got this sort of see-through negligee on. He walks towards her and he tears yeah. it off, and it cuts. Well, that to me is quite rapey. Yeah, I'm saying I'm going. I'm not. Actually, I'm going along the lines of what I thought as I yeah. was watching it. Yeah, I, I thought to myself, Jesus, God, he's going to be. It's been a bit harsh. I mean, yeah. some women like it, you know, a little bit like that, but. <laughs> She didn't look like she was enjoying it. Let me no. put it that way. Although then it cuts off quite quick. Yeah, it? as soon as away. as soon as he yeah. pulls this negligee off, her, it, it cuts yeah. and it cuts to uh, Nino putting the covers over Indio. Yeah. Um, full shot. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, what is that all about? Yeah, <laughs> it may, which is great because it makes you think. This is definitely more to this than meets the eye. Yeah, so. yeah it does. And it gets you thinking what's, you know, you try, like you said, you're trying in your head to put pieces together that it's given you. Because I'm thinking, is this a flash? Is this a flashback as in a flashback of him with the woman sitting on the bed? That's how I'm thinking. Right. Okay. Like an old flashback. Yeah. With me, that's, yeah. But then obviously it's clear it's not when he shoots. You, you see what I mean? So, yeah. 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 Well, that leaves, that leaves you guessing there. You're thinking, okay, yeah. so he's asleep and he knows covered him up. Uh, we then see Sancho. And he's in his prison cell, and this is this is one of my dad's favourite bits, and it's a, it's a bit that always makes me think of my dad, uh, because you see it from inside the prison cell, and it's at night time, and the yeah. cell's a bit high up, so Clint's stood on his, the back of his horse, yeah. and you just see Clint's face appear behind the yeah. window, behind the the bars in the window, and he just plonks this stick of dynamite in, uh, winks at Sancho lights the fuse, waves to him, and disappears, which was yeah. uh, always one of my dad's favourite bits, Brilliant. that was. 
so then you see Sancho, he pulls the mattress up of the bed to cover himself from the explosion. And you see Clint outside and he's like on his horse and he's squinting and he's watching for the explosion. And when you see his face as he's like squinting and watching, I had that as a poster in my bedroom when I was a kid. That's oh, wow. that exact shot. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of my yeah. favourite posters. Of yeah. the few Clint Eastwood posters that I did have there. Um, so then Clint's got Sancho, takes him to Indio's gang. They're still at this dilapidated church. Everybody's happy. Um, we should point out as well, because Clint is not wearing... Uh, his the old leather gauntlet, leather gauntlet yeah. which we saw right at the beginning of the film like we said is the introduction is when you're seeing a close-up of the gun the gauntlet he's not got it on so that must be like douglas mortimer his gun across his belly how he wears yeah. it is the giveaway for who he is exactly In and they're infamous obviously amongst yeah the, the yeah. gauntlet you know oh he's a top bounty hunter yeah um so then it's like, well, why? Oh, they're all happy Sancho is there, but why Why did this character help you out? Exactly. He and, hadn't asked that question himself by that point, had he? That's no. And then, like, Clint's got such big balls. He's like, well, I figured such a big, big reward. Tag along on your next robbery. Might even turn you over to the law. And then there's, like, silence. And then everybody's laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all fine. Uh, is it? Is in the gang. Quite, that's a quick, easy way to infiltrate a gang, I'm telling you. It is, isn't it? It can't be that simple. <laughs> it cannot be that simple. <laughs> <laughs> Mind so, you, you couldn't look up on um, you know, you couldn't look up on Facebook in those days to see who the person really was. <laughs> a bit different back then. It would have been the eighteen seventies version of Facebook. <laughs> God, could you imagine? Oh. Just get people shooting each other. Oh, that would be it, the sort of before. So then Indio sends Clint and um some of his uh, gang out now this is where the plan comes together okay there's going to be a distraction of where some of the gang are going to go to santa cruz rob the bank there where of course then the um, all the law in el paso will be telegraphed quick bank in santa cruz is being robbed so they all bugger off leaving el paso virtually you know law free where the main gang can go there's a similar scene in the um, fistful of dollars isn't there with regards to making the gang, the people go somewhere. Yeah, with goes, the graveyards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, quite, it's a cliche, isn't it, pretty it much? It is, yeah, it yeah. is, really. Yeah. So Clint and three of the gang are sent to Santa Cruz. Um, so they're, they're partway there. And this is where Clint kills the three gang members. Um, yeah. And the gauntlet is back on. He's back in killing mode. Uh, but, of course, he doesn't rob the bank in Santa Cruz. He just goes into the Santa Cruz telegraph office where there's an old guy cooking eggs. Uh, and he ties him up and he's very gentle with him. And he even keeps cooking his eggs for him. This is know. where the old uh, chickens are running around all over the place. That's, isn't that's, it? <laughs> they weren't yeah. credited, though. Then, then no. <laughs> not on IMDb. They missed their credit on IMDb. <laughs> the, the chickens. Oh, perhaps, they, perhaps they went a bit cold turkey or something. Oh. Sorry, mate. Oh. Sorry, that's dreadful, <laughs> isn't it? It's gloriously dreadful, though. It is. It's, it's, it yeah. is. Uh, so then, yeah, they, so he tells the, the guy to telegraph El Paso and say, and say the bank's being robbed, even though it isn't. Then he ties him up and Clint gets on his horse and buggers off really quick on his horse to get to El Paso before the gang does so that him and Mortimer can then see the bank, the robbery happening and, and yeah. get them. And as he's riding to El Paso, it cuts between him riding there, it cuts 
between him and the gang riding there. And the gang it looks like Eastwood riding as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. I um, really did take a quite close. I'm trying to get a close in look. It really looks like him. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah. But it, when it cuts between him and the gang, the gang are, are quite clever because you think, hold on a minute. Okay, so Santa Cruz have telegraphed that the bank's being robbed. Surely when the bank is being robbed in El Paso, they'll do the same and telegraph somewhere. But you see the gang stop and shoot the telegraph wires. They know the telegraph yeah, is gone yeah. from Santa Cruz to El Paso, and then they cut them, cutting off all communication. thought that was a really nice little bit. Yeah, good you know, yeah playing with, okay, just in case you think, oh, I've got you there. You know, they thought of that. That could have been missed, couldn't it? It could have been missed easily. Yeah, Yeah. it could have been easily. But as the two are riding, you see Clint Eastwood and you see the gang like riding towards El Paso. There's a great piece of music that's played. Uh, And I think this is a good point just to, uh, we'll take a breath and let everybody listen to the music that's played in uh, this part of the film. Everybody's converging on El Paso, as we now know. And we see the bank. And in it, to guard overnight, is obviously the bank guard. They have one guard inside. He must have the The biggest stomach. (laughs) And the easiest job in the town. Because it's known, like, nobody robs El Paso. Waste of time. So he goes in with a gun and the yeah. massive sandwich. That's the biggest role I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's a slim guy. He's not like a big yeah. fat... Yeah, but as soon as he goes in, what does he do? He, he puts his feet up yeah. on the couch, opens his sandwich, and it's like, oh, that's my shift done. I'm going to have a bit of a... I'll eat this and yeah. uh, have a bit of a kip from a shift and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little does he know that Indio and his gang have got a different way that they're going to rob the bank. And uh, Clint and Mortimer get a bit confused because, mm. uh, you know, the the outside guards move from the front doors and they're waiting for, you know, the gang to stop. Nothing happens. It's because the gang have gone around the back of the bank with uh, horse and carriage, you know, the, the flatbed cart, blow up the back of the bank, yeah. uh, drag the cabinet with all the money in it onto the back of this cart, shoot the guard. Didn't have a good day that day, did he? Didn't even finish <laughs> his sandwich. What yeah, a shit shift. No, no. It wasn't a bad sandwich. It was his last meal, though. No, it wasn't honest. too bad. What's that? You know, yeah. If you're going to go, at least have a sandwich first. Uh, and so that, and then they've gone. They've, they've, got, they've got the money. So it's like, okay, Clint and Mortimer go, this didn't go as we planned. Uh, so they get on the horse, the horses, and they, and they ride off, and they meet up in the hills. And Clint wants to dissolve the partnership. Yeah. He's, he's had enough of it. Going, look, you know, you said this would happen. You don't know what you're on about. You know, we're going to go our own ways now. You do yeah. what you want. I'm going to go after them. Uh, so Mortimer says, well, where are you going to go? He says, well, I'm going back to the gang. I'm part of the gang. So I'm going to go back and I'll, you know, I've infiltrated them. I'll sort it out from there. And this is where Mortimer, again, showing how intelligent he is, says, look, 
you were sent out with three of his men. You're going to go back by yourself, the new guy, with not scratch on you. It's going to yeah. look a bit dodgy, that is, isn't it? So he pulls his gun and he shoots him. Again, showing what <gasps> Again. an awesome shot he is. He just... Let's be honest. I mean, there's not one millimetre. One millimetre the other way would have t- t- taken him out, most likely. It would have, yeah. He just yeah. grazes his neck, doesn't he? Just enough to make him bleed, show yeah. that he's been shot. Uh, and then he explains he explains to Clint, he said, look, the gang's worth £40,000 uh, $40, more now because that's the bank's reward to get the cash back should it have been robbed. So you've got another forty k. Tell, go and tell Indio to go north and we'll ambush them. It's a good ambush spot. So Clint goes, you see him return to the gang who are shooting the shit out of the safe, the the cabinet that the safe is in. Yeah. Uh, while they're doing this as well, actually, if you look in the background and you'll see palm trees in the background behind oh, the gang. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. This yeah. is so good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, those palm trees in the background were planted by the people who made Lawrence oh. of Arabia there three years earlier. <laughs> they just carried on growing. And amazing, they'd be out of place. They wouldn't normally be there in this... Um, the, you wouldn't normally see those in Mexico, would no. you? That's what I'm trying to no. say. Yeah. <laughs> they'd have been there for Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Indio's suspicious, obviously just, you know, the new guys appeared, but then he sees the neck wound and he, you know, gets away with it. And Indio says, right, we're going to go north, which is what Mortimer, you know, said to Clint to get them to do. But Clint says, no, 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 go, uh, go south. Obviously doesn't want a deal with Mortimer going yeah. behind his back. Uh, Indio doesn't want to go south, doesn't want to do what the new guy says. So he decides to go east to a place called Agua Caliente. Uh, yeah. which, which means hot water, which is yeah. which is what everybody gets into. Everybody gets into hot water while they're there. So they ride to Agua Caliente, and they send Clint in first and go, okay, nothing you guy, you you go in first. And he sees a little lad jumping up for apples at this apple tree. Um, yeah. But before he's actually before he sees the little guy, the, the little lad, three men appear and the three oh they're the the hard men of this little village. And they're the least hard-looking hard men you've ever seen in your life. Because uh, you do get a close-up of them. They look, I don't know, like three village idiots, actually, don't they? Yeah. And um, so the lad's jumping at the apples. So Clint, showing off, pulls his gun out, shoots a couple of apples down. Then you hear other shots, other apples fall. Behind Clint, on the steps of the taberna, is Mortimer. Again, one step ahead. One step ahead. Knew yep. what Clint would be thinking. Knew that, oh, if I tell him to go north, he's not going to go north. He'll tell he'll tell India the opposite, and India won't do that, and he can't go west for whatever, so he's got to go east. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Yep. So, again, so intelligent. One step ahead. So they go into the taberna. The three hard men of the village, by the way, have now shat their pants and ran away because <laughs> they've seen two hot shots there who were far better than them, so they've got out of it. This whole scene, just quickly before this, is this not, or, or is it later on? Is this not the similar scene to A Fistful of Dollars when he went into town at the start of it? Yeah, where it is there was very people similar. Behind, yeah, people yeah. behind the wind, people behind the doors, shutting the doors, yeah. the, the windows. Very, 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 very similar. similar. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, they go into this taberna, and um, Mortimer is in there having something to eat. Of course, who is delighted to see them there? It's the Hunchback. <laughs> and then we see Mortimer once again cool as the cucumber doesn't get phased Hunchback really wants to fucking kill him but yeah. Mortimer's just carries on eating come back when I finished eating you know what I mean yeah I'm yeah. not bothered because yeah, cause the Hunchback says to him go on strike a match on my hump and he's going yeah. come back after I've eaten I smoke after I've eaten and it's like right that's awesome. it I'm going to kill you so they have you know this gunfight and this is where you see that 
Mortimer doesn't reach for the gun across his belly. He's got like a little hidden gun a up his sleeve on a little, you know, he sort of flicks his wrist and it comes out, doesn't it? And he this is a him. reference to a couple of other films he'd been in beforehand. He Ooh, did that really? as his yeah. character. And I can't remember which ones they were. I've refused to look at my notes, Dave. Um, but there, yeah, he, he'd done this. Um, Sergio had seen him do this in um, a previous film as he'd been in. So that's kind of a thing that carries across. Ah, to it. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. clever. It's good. It takes you by surprise as well because you expect yeah. him to pull a gun from his, you know, across his belly. But he, it's he either a couple of films he'd been in before, or he carries that across into a couple ah, okay. of films later on. Yeah, nice little touch. Yeah, yeah. Because later on, you know, with the poncho, obviously. Um, Everything that Clint Eastwood wears, that, that becomes his signature, doesn't it? No, yeah. yeah. The, the same signature applies to Lee Van Cleef in all the films that he went on ah, to do as well. Okay. Yeah. Like mm. the, you know, the actual black suited jacket and all yeah. of that stuff. And yeah. yeah. He carries that all across. Yeah. So it's crazy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, of course, he's just killed. He's killed hunchbacks. So of course, the rest of the gang are a bit pissed off at that. They reach for the guns, but Indio stops them. Um, you know, Again, what... why would he stop them? Yeah. You think he'd just. Yeah. Knowing what a psycho that Indio is, you think he'd just happily he, let them He's not him. in full psycho mode yet. Just, he's just, not, though, is he? No, that's, yeah. that's still to come. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mortimer explains, um, much to Clint's sort of amazement, he says, oh, yeah, I know that you've robbed the bank, and you know, but I'm here, I'm going to open it for you, um, because if you blow the, the, the safe up, you're going to destroy half the money. Yeah. I'll open it for you without destroying any of the money and uh, I'll just g- give me 5,000. I must admit, I initially thought to myself, what, has it got like some sort of colourful ink on the paper or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's what would happen these days, wouldn't it, if you tried to get Yeah, you know, all that would squirt out all over. But again, he is like the specialist, isn't he? The specialist. He is. Yeah, again, yeah, it's a good point. Like you said, going back to him being yeah. a specialist. Yeah. Uh, so they agree that he's going to open the safe for $5,000, which he does with you know, acid. He, I think it's acid he drips into it, isn't he? I presume it's acid that he does. Does that work? Yeah, yeah, it, it would melt the, the metal in the lock and you should be able to open it then. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they get to the money and they, they're all grabbing for the money, but India says, nope, we can't touch so it. So how when you get these people who get killed, you know, you know, like these serial killers and they put mm. them into metal drums and they, they break the body down with acid? How come it doesn't go through the drum as well, the metal drum? Ooh, if the drum's made of plastic, it'd be okay. It Do you know, I, yeah. I never knew that. Mm. Yeah. I learned something new. There you go. It's not a lot of the acids, they'll go through metal. Uh, depending That's on crazy. the acid, yeah, because I used to work with some acids, and you'd be fine. Uh, drop... You can you can get some acid that will go through plastic, then I'm guessing. I would think so, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. mostly kept, they were kept in glass jars. Um, yeah, awesome. which was safe. And I dropped one. I dropped a glass jar of uh, 100% sulfuric acid. Yeah, and that that ate through the concrete floor quite quickly. It was like a scene from Alien, mate. It was yeah, a bit scary. That's scary. Imagine that falling on someone else. Yeah, imagine if, yeah, imagine if it falling <laughs> on me. For fuck's sake! <laughs> Never mind anybody else. Maybe he lost his finger, half his finger through an acid mistake. Maybe yeah, opening a safe and he fucked it up a little bit. <laughs> it could have explained his finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so India says they cannot touch the money for a month because the law is after them. And they'll be looking for people with money. They've just got to lay low for a month. So um, Indy and Nino put the cash into this big storage room, locked up in a box, and that's it. They've just all got to hold out there for a month. Stay out of trouble. All's fine. Gang's asleep. Clint Eastwood tiptoes through them, goes to the room where the, the money box is, climbs up, drops in through the roof of the storage room, and 
And in comes back in Mortimer. Mortimer's already there because surprise, surprise, he's one step ahead <laughs> yet again. <laughs> uh, in this bit, did you notice, mate, and it's because I've seen it so many times when Clint Eastwood drops in through the roof of this place, there's a close-up on him. His face, and I've watched it on, you know, watched it on VHS, watched it on DVD, watched it on Blu-ray. He looks like he's been blacked up. He looks like he's got black makeup on as though he's you know some commando really? style yeah i did not notice that you have think a I look would? yeah have maybe a look. i just presumed it was really dark and it was the shadow well, on face. Yeah. yeah it was well, going back to like vhs days i didn't really notice that much but the quality isn't as good but then going on to dvd and now blu-ray it's like he really does look like he's got black makeup on when you get a couple of minutes just skip oh, to no, that scene and yeah. let me know yeah let me know what you think yeah definitely but Mortimer's there. Uh, they get the money. They put, you know, they put it into saddlebags. They climb out. Clint Eastwood's climbing down, and you see him like lowering himself down the side of the building. His foot lands on somebody's shoulder. Oh dear, it's Indy's shoulder. Yeah. So now he, Clint knows. Oh fuck, there's somebody there. He throws the saddlebags with all the money in onto the nearby tree. Uh, lowers down. Um, Mortimer's lowering himself down. Nino gets him. Uh, and in, Indy says to uh, to Clint Eastwood, he said, shouldn't have shot those apples on the tree. Hands Clint his gauntlet, because, of course, Clint's been with the gang. He's taken his gauntlet off, you know, he's in disguise. Yeah. yeah. Indio's on to him, so he gives him that back. Uh, and then they're beaten up. There's a big you know, there's a big fight scene where Clint was beaten up, wasn't it, in a fistful of dollars that we talked about yeah. that was cut over here in its original. Yeah. This is the same. This fight scene was 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 cut. This is um, almost like a boring type type fight. Have you noticed yeah. that all of his stuff is done in circles, and that's something that he did, Sergio, yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot almost of like I thought about this earlier. This is almost like the the creation of a battle royale type thing. Going <laughs> yeah, on it is. Last man yeah. standing in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And I thought of that today. I've been playing too much Warzone and uh, Fortnite, <laughs> by the way, with my daughter. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's something that but he he had all of his fight scenes in in some sort of ring, whereas the American way of doing it would be down streets and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's a totally different way of it doing is. it. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, they and it's quite violent, very violent. Yeah, I know. You can yeah. see why you know it got cut. Another fight yeah. scene that was cut in these westerns for over here. And it's the laugh more than anything else, isn't it? That yeah, because like, yeah, Indios. This yeah. is where you just start to get a um, bit psycho. Yeah. But they were doing the same in the fight scene in the Fistful of Dollars. They were like beating them up, but laughing about it. Hey, this is great. It's really reminiscent of that whole scene as well, isn't it? The mm. whole where in the first film, Clint Eastwood he pretends to be drunk, doesn't he? So yes. They have yeah. It and then gets up. But it's a very similar scene kind of thing. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well, this is where Indio then forms a cunning plan, and he tells the he tells the gang. He says, "Right, okay. What if the sheriff of El Paso finds their two bodies, lots of money on them, heats off the gang?" We can bugger off with all the rest of the money. Yeah. But as we've already established, Indio's, you know, a psychotic twat. So he wakes Nino uh, and he gets him to take Cuchillo's knife while Cuchillo sleeps. And again, we said earlier, Cuchillo is Spanish for knife. Yeah. So he takes he takes his knife nice and sneakily. Then Nino goes and kills Slim with the knife, one of the other gang members. Then Nino goes and frees Clint and Mortimer, gives them their unloaded weapons back. Uh, and and then obviously they skedaddle out of there. So then Nino goes to Indy and says, you know, why did you get me to do all of that? And Indy says he's known from the beginning that Clint was a bounty hunter. He's known that Mortimer was one too. He knows that they're both better with guns guns than all of his gang. So yeah. the best thing to do, 
let them all get mixed up in a gunfight, then Indio and Nino um, can just take the money, bugger off with the one million, share it between them. Very so intelligent course, way of thinking. Oh, it yeah. is, isn't it? So of course, Nino yeah. said, oh, yeah, I'm all up for that. Half a million dollars. I'll take that. So then Indio gets Nino to wake Cuchillo. And Nino brings him over. So, and, and this is again, Indy starts smoking a little bit more again. He's addicted yeah. to that, isn't he? So Nino brings Cuchillo to Indy, who is by Slim's body with the knife in it. Uh, and then he says, oh, you've killed him. Of course, Cuchillo, you know, I didn't, I'm innocent. So Indy said, no, 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 it's, it's you, it's your knife. Opens his pocket watch, chimes start yeah. playing. Now, of course, his whole gang know what this means when he opens that. It's like, okay, wait for the chimes to finish. I'm going to get shot. Uh, and Indio tells him, right, run and get on your horse and get out of here. He doesn't get very far, does he? Because Cuchillo no. starts running and Indio just shoots him in the back. Yeah. Uh, which evil bastard. Very evil, mate. Yep. Uh, yep. Which, of course, this wakes the gang. They all come in. And Indio then tells them Cuchillo killed Slim, freed Clint and Mortimer. Go and get them. Get revenge, you know, for the people that he's killed. And he doesn't stop at anything. He's getting his gang members against yeah, gang members he now does. and everything. Yeah. He's, he's thought this through, though, hasn't he? He's, yeah. He's quite clever, you know, you know, his own psychotic ways. There we go, everyone. Go smoke marijuana. Get yeah. your brain working. And you're fine. <laughs> but we, do, <laughs> we see that Groggy is suspicious, though. He walks past him and we can see he knows there's something yeah, yeah. not quite right here. Again, the more intelligent gang member. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which we knew from the start, didn't we? Mm. We said, you know, when he walked in in the church and he didn't care what he said to Indio, you know, he, he is. Yeah. He, he's, he's not scared of him. So then we see Clint and Mortimer, and they're loading the guns. Um, Clint casually flicking the bullets into the barrel. They're waiting for the gang to appear. We know what's going to happen. Then, then we see uh, we see Indio and Nino appears in the doorway of where he is, with a knife in his back and Groggy behind him. Groggy, like we've said, is clever, knows what's going on, yeah. uh, knows this. Okay, I'm not going with the gang. That's a death wish to go over there. Orders Indio to open the money box. And Indio opens it, obviously expecting to find the money. What he finds is what we saw uh, Mortimer put in there earlier before they got captured was a wanted poster of Indio's yeah. wanted poster. Now this, mate, I'd love to see what you think of this. I remember watching this as a kid and for many years afterward through to my teens and so when he opens the box and he thinks the money's going to be there and it's the wanted poster of him and on the soundtrack you hear this mad laughter don't you that's yeah added I in obviously i yeah. thought as a kid that mortimer had put some sort of thing that he'd got i don't know from blackpool <laughs> joke shop one of those things that laughs he just got a little mp3 player in there that's he what put got. it in there yeah he yeah. ordered it from facebook <laughs> But I always, I did think that he'd put something in the box that made a laughing sound when he opened it. It wasn't as until I got older that I realised, oh, it's part of the sound. It's part of the soundtrack, yeah. yeah. Quite different, that. quite a new way of doing it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So now we get Indio and Groggy that team up together because yeah. they know that all the gang's going to be shot. Clint and Mortimer are going to come and it's better both of them trying to shoot them. There's a big shootout between Clint Mortimer and the gang. Uh, which now this is a thing to look out for, mate. When we watch the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Okay. Remember, I said in the saloon scene, fistful of dollars, he gets shot four times in um, in the heart. He wears yes. the poncho back to front. Yeah. Now, in part of the shootout is Clint Eastwood. It looks like a barber shop, 
and he hangs his poncho and hat on like a hat stand thing. Um, so the people burst in and it, they think it's Clint Eastwood from the back and they shoot shots and it goes through the poncho. Okay, so we've got new new holes made now. Then, yeah, are these yeah. extra holes going to be visible in the good, the bad, and the ugly? Do you this... know the answer to that? Or are you just I, asking me to look out for it? I don't know the answer to it. Oh, okay, so All we right. can both look out for it when that's we watch awesome. it. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we need to. Look... I, I really hope they haven't missed out on that. Yeah, because it, <laughs> well, these these would go through both sides that go through you know back and front so we should have quite a few holes in it except you wear it sideways now it's like, got patches all over it made by, my, made by granny <laughs> some quilted patches all over that, it awesome a nice little quilted <laughs> poncho <laughs> that'd be brilliant so the this the shootout's carrying on and mortimer tells clint just leave indio to him you know he he wants yeah. to kill indio for whatever reason uh, so then we go back. We're still none the wiser, are we? We're still, we're still don't know why. And we're getting towards yeah. the climax of the film yeah, now, yeah. and we still don't know. Okay, we, there's pieces we haven't put together yet. Yeah. So Indio looks at his pocket watch. We see him there, and so Groggy asks him about it. Then we get flashback number two, and it replays part of the first time yeah. we saw the flashback. We see Indio at the foot of the bed. We see the couple on the bed, the heart-shaped box, the two pocket watches in it. We see the guy get up. He gets shot. We see India rip the negligee off the woman, which is just where quickly. It cuts. I called this as well whilst I'm watching this. Did you? As I'm watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, God, no. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just felt that that was going to happen. Uh, you well, can understand. You, yeah. you, talk, you say you you take us through it, Dave. Anyway, but yeah. Well, well he rips yeah. the negligee off. We saw all of this yeah. in the first yeah, flashback, yeah. and which is where it, that's where it cut on the first first flashback for years and years and years and years and years until a special edition DVD came out. On the TV and on video, that's where it cut in the second flashback. He rips that off it and it cuts again. And you don't know anything else. And it's missing a big fucking part of it. You that sort of know what's going to happen. It needs to be in the film. It needs to be in the film. Yeah. It's a big part yeah. of it. It was, it was cut from it for so long because what happens after he's ripped that off her? He then, you see, he's raping her. He was on top of her and he's, yeah. and he's raping her. And you see her and she's slowly reaching because Indio's pistol is on the bed by the side and she reaches for it and she gets the pistol and you think, yeah. she's going to well, we, we, no, well, we know he can't be shooting. Yeah. She can't be shooting yeah. him. Or you think maybe, he's alive. Yeah, yeah, you think maybe he's, she's going to try and shoot him and he yeah. gets a hand. No, she shoots herself in the side. And this is weird because when I said earlier about when Indio shoots the guy that was on the bed and there's no blood and he's wearing the white top and there's nothing, this is quite a it's, really good, really good wound. It it's looks a really the great wound in her, you know, see yeah. it on bare flesh in her side where she's shot herself and there's a, you know, close up of it. Yeah. So she's killed herself rather than be raped by Indio and you think, oh, okay, that's, yeah, that's obviously not good. But at this point, you now know there is a definite link between her and Mortimer. Yes, you do because the yeah, yeah. how you know how did he get this other pocket watch? What you know what's the link? Because you saw her with both of them. But that's there is a link now, like you said, you know that yeah. it's there. Yeah. Uh, so, Indio comes out of this flashback uh, because he's heard Mortimer calling his name. So Groggy gives Indy his, his gun belt. Uh, and Groggy comes running out of you know the, the little place that, that we're in. Yeah, Mortimer Does, shoots him. Doesn't last long. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't even get one shot off. Mortimer <laughs> shoots him. Groggy goes flying. Yeah. Um, but as he's doing that, Indio appears in the doorway and shoots the gun from Mortimer's hand. Yeah. And then Indio approaches Mortimer, holding his pocket watch. Uh, and of course, so Mortimer's guns on the floor. Indio's holding his pocket watch. Starts the chimes. 
and says to Mortimer, go for your gun when the chimes end. Uh, and I think this is a good point, mate, for us just to take a little break and just to give the listeners a bit of music for what plays here as Indio walks towards him with the chimes playing. So we're getting it all set up again. We've got the three characters that were all. It's, everything's coming to a head. We've got India with the watch chiming. Is Mortimer going to reach his gun in time after the chimes have ended? You think? Well, maybe not. The chimes are slowly dying down, and then out of nowhere, chimes start up again, and they're both luck. And there's Clint holding Mortimer's pocket watch with the chimes playing. Which is awesome. I remember the first Brilliant. time watching it. It's like, yes, it's one of those punch the air moments, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Fuck you, India. <laughs> it's one of those. And again, there's moments in these films, though, where you feel that almost Lee Van Cleef is the leading man in it. Mm. In it. Yeah. Because this moment now, it's, you know, he becomes referee Eastwood, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Much, it's, it's, you know, it's the character of Mortimer. He's got the big shootout at the end, doesn't yeah. he? You know, it's not Eastwood's character. And the bigger storyline. And the bigger storyline, yeah. 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 So Clint gives Mortimer. His own gun belt. Uh, and this is where, we, and again, it's something else we talked about in the Fistful of Dollars, the way that Leone does this time stretch thing, especially with shootouts, you know, and what happen in a couple of seconds in most films. He really stretches out with minutes and music and close ups. You know, this, the, is like, this, this is like the QTEs you'd get in a video game. It is, yeah. Standing there in it. The, yeah. yeah. So, oh, beautifully shot, though. So cinematic. Oh, so, yes, atmospheric. Clint's watching, and this is a good point where you do see, because there's a close-up of Clint watching, rifle in hand, making sure that, you know, Indio doesn't do anything untoward. Uh, you can clearly see that his cigar is not lit. In this point as well, he's just got an unlit cigar in his mouth. And I think they're right. They're in a ring again, aren't they? In a circle. They are, another circle. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which, of course, will come as we when we go into the Good, the Bad, the Ugly in the next show. Circles appear once again, don't they? Yeah. So that'll come forward. Uh, Mortimer shoots Indy. Uh straight away uh, as well actually i don't think i mentioned earlier there was stories on set as well and afterwards that lee van cleef said that he was quicker on the draw than eastwood uh, and it had been timed because there were filming the draws that uh lee van cleef could draw a gun cock it and fire it in three frames of film which is one eighth of a second wow so the real he, deal yeah he was really quick on the draw so you know you can believe it when he shoots indio he takes the pocket watch from Indio's hand, opens it to reveal woman's photo, the woman that we saw yeah. in Indio rape. Now, uh, at this point, just quickly, can I just say, yeah. I thought to myself, it's clearly his daughter. <laughs> because he looked so much older. Yeah, yeah. that's, a, yeah. Yeah. that's a, yeah. But it isn't, is it? 
because, no, because, no, because Clint remarks, he said, oh, family resemblance looks to be some sort of family resemblance. And Mortimer says, uh, naturally, between brother and sister. That's the whole thing. He wanted revenge. It's a revenge story. He wanted yeah. to kill Indio for uh, raping his sister. And obviously that's... See, I'm thinking, how come they'd never met before? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's different back then in those days, I suppose, because it is, you know, you can't just nip around your house, nip around people's houses yeah. and that. <laughs> I mean, it, you couldn't maybe WhatsApp them, could you? A bit more long distance, maybe, yeah. their relationship rather than... Yeah. Yeah. And a bigger country. You don't know what part of the She could have been like exactly. East Coast. Exactly. You know, they could have been West. Yeah. Uh, and it's here. Mortimer tells Clint he can have all the cash. He's He's got what he wanted. He's killed Indio. That's what he wanted. It wasn't about the money. It was about revenge. And he's done it. You know, he's avenged the death of his sister. Uh, and so we see uh, Clint putting all the bodies onto a cart, totaling the, the bounty money up yeah, as he goes true. along and he's doing it out loud. You know, 20, and that's two for him. It's 22, blah, blah, blah. Um, Final gag to come into the one film. More, one more bit of humour still yeah. to come, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and we see that Groggy isn't dead. Surprisingly, Mortimer didn't give the fatal shot when he shot him. Um, but Clint turns around because it's like Clint's adding up and he's going, oh, just like short, you know, the total of the bounty isn't adding up. Spins around, shoots Groggy, all adds up. I'm not sure where they got that figure from, though. Does it add up? I think it does. I haven't gone oh, through. It does. Yeah, because I don't does. think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think we hear the total because Mortimer's got his little book with all the total of the bounties right, okay. for the gang members. But I don't think we hear him at any point during the film read every gang member out. So uh, you just assume that Clint knows, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like about two thousand dollars short, and so that's why he spins around. Yeah. Mortimer hears the shot, asks if everything's okay. Uh, Clint said it was just a problem with his adding, but he's all right now. He gets on the horse and cart. He's got the bounty money, obviously. Uh, but he gets a bit more, doesn't he? Because he stops by the tree, that if you remember. Yeah. They threw all the, the money that was robbed from the bank into the tree. He stops by the tree, pulls that out, puts that onto the horse. Both of the characters ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Credits. Absolutely outstanding. Oh, it's uh, absolutely wonderful. And the total, like I said, 1872. Yeah. He has $27,000 bounty money. Yeah. And now they say it's just under a million that they get from the bank, but I did it as a million dollars. Uh, so that was one million and twenty-seven thousand dollars in eighteen seventy-two. Yeah. Uh, today, as we record, would be worth twenty-one million seven hundred and seventy-five thousand five hundred and ninety-eight dollars wow. and eighty-five cents. He he'd got a shitload of money, mate. You wouldn't be to spend it on anything. No, imagine like the equivalent <laughs> of like almost twenty-two million dollars. Yeah, like, what? Crazy, crazy. As yeah. well, it's quite interesting because they're saying like with the, with the American um, westerns, you that wouldn't have been that kind of kind of ending. It would have been more. He would give the money back because the Americans yeah. like that happy ending yeah. thing, don't they? They'd have gone to yeah. the bank and yeah, yeah. give back. Yeah, but, I really like no. the fact though that Mortimer didn't want the money. He, he got his redemption, yeah. mate. That's what he got. That was he it. Got his revenge. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. We did mention as well about the dubbing in the film while we were talking about it as well. It's while Clint was doing the dubbing of the movie while he was still in Italy before he returned to America. The Italian director, um, this is where I always butcher names, Vittorio De Sica, he persuaded him to do a cameo uh, in a segment of an anthology movie called The Witches. Now, this was the next film that Clint was in after for a few dollars more, and before The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. But oh, it isn't, it's not a Clint Eastwood movie. He's part 
of an anthology of stories. It's like a 20-minute segment that is I've in. got a feeling that's amongst my DVD collection. Yeah. Remember I showed you a link on that? Yeah. I think I sent you a picture, and I'm pretty sure that's amongst it. Yeah. Well, it was it was before heading back to America to film Rawhide. Um, right. Also, that Clint signed up to make Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, third Western. Of which Just he... quickly, you couldn't imagine him doing Rawhide at this point, can you? Well, no. Um, no. You can't because, well, especially America had got no idea what was going on because the Dollars film still hadn't been shown over there. Of course, was, yeah. Was, 1967, was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was like yeah. Rowdy Yates still to them from yeah, TV. Yeah, true. Of um, course. So he went there, but he'd already signed on to make a third, which they were going to make in this, you know, the hiatus again between Rawhide. Yeah. Um, he secured himself a lot more money, which we'll get into in the next show when we talk about uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um and also at the beginning of that show, we're not going to do a show about the witches because it, I say it's not a Clint Eastwood film, even no. though he's in it. But we will talk about it, I think, mate, at the beginning of the next show because it's okay. worth, it is worth talking about. So, we so will definitely, talk about I'll it. definitely watch it. It's worth yeah, a little yeah. watch. Yeah, it yeah. is worth watching. Like I say, it's only 20 yeah. minutes. So we will talk about it. Yeah. But the next show will be about the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, so, yeah, Clint got a lot more money, which we'll talk about in that show. Um, but he got back and... and not long after he got back, it was in February, it's February the 8th, actually, of the next year, 1966, Rawhide was cancelled. So as well as the freedom to film more, he was like, well, I can definitely go and do, you know, the third film now. He also, it's amazing how things yeah, line up, how things line a, up in life. He also payout from CBS yeah. of almost $120,000. Wow. So everything started to fall into place for him then. He wasn't yeah. tied to the TV show. He was becoming a movie star, even though America didn't know about him yet. Uh, and, the, the, you know, this was the first big step to him becoming the Clint Eastwood that we know. Was yeah, and, and the Sergio Leone we know. Exactly, uh, you know, yeah. And, and the Lee Van Cleef, all of them. This was all of the springboard for a lot of these guys. Yeah, you know? it was. Yeah. Well, I said at the beginning, mate, this, is, this has always been my favourite of the three, you know, the Spaghetti Western trilogy, the Dollars trilogy. And it sounds like you said as well, you loved it yourself, haven't you? I mean, I've not, I, I, I'm 100% not sure if I've seen all of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, but it's going to have to be good to mm -hmm. beat this one. This, you know, this, this is just, just regards to everything, the whole, you can see the budget, how the, the increase on that it improved on everything. Every aspect was better, wasn't it? The, yeah. the script, the acting, the, um, just everything, the, the, the lighting, the audio, everything, the, the camera shots, everything was just 10 yeah. times better. And yeah. it, for me, it's just, um, yeah, a, a fantastic film. Mm. I, Great, great film and a great payoff at the end. It's a yeah. brilliant payoff at the end for both characters, and I and I really like that. And I and I love the fact that in the end, Eastwood was the guy who um, was one step ahead by having that watch and that sort of thing. In yeah, pocket. yeah, really nice turnaround. Almost like the the, the protege had um, earned his tags. You know, it was that's just, it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like it's. You know, it's been handed over to Clint now. You know, Mortimer's done his bit and he's okay. Yeah, because he's well old at 40, going off into the distance. <laughs> his time was done, mate. Retirement, yeah. <laughs> I, I just had such a nice thing to happen to Lee Van Cleef at that point in his life as well. Like, yeah, it's so good that his career, you know, really went big time then. You know, yeah. he made lots of money, he made lots of films. Um, it's Yeah, it's good. You know, yeah. we've got a lot more of him to watch now, thanks to this film. Whereas, you know, he could have just disappeared completely, could have, you know, could have well drunk himself into a much yeah. earlier grave for all we know, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, could have done. Uh, well, as always, we finished comments and corrections on A Fistful of Dollars. Uh, now, mate, after we did we did the pilot show, of course, if anybody's listening to this and you haven't heard the previous shows, we did pilot show, then we did the show about uh, A Fistful of Dollars. After we'd done the pilot show, 
then when we recorded the A, Fist, a Fistful of Dollars show, we got a shitload of feedback from the pilot show. There was loads. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. After, right yeah. after the Fistful of Dollars show, not so much feedback. I think it's because most of the listeners have died of old age waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> That we've got not a lot of feedback from the they've fistful all turned, of dollars. They've show. all turned forty odd and they've died. That's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> they thought I'm not waiting another six years or so. I, <laughs> I, I'd like to spin it and just say I think it's because we just upped the ante on our <laughs> on our podcasting skill, and there was no corrections to be made. That was it. No comments. No. Yeah. Nothing. We, we got a few. We got a few that I want to have a chat with you about. I think this, we're going to make this become more regular again. I think we yeah. can say. Say that. Yeah. I know we say it every time. We do I just say it every believe, time. I believe in it. Yeah, it's part of the joke. It's a part of the gag. We're just doing a Sergio well, Leone gag. That's yeah. what we're doing. I yeah. think I'd like to think of these. See, these of out of all the shows that sixty minutes with does, and we do a lot of different format shows. I like to think we're like the fine wine, mate. We're the with a single malt that has to be matured and it's savoured and it takes time. Was yeah. like I don't know the. Like those, yeah, uh, those, funny pick on it, those, those fuckers from the ABC of gaming, they're like, they're like, they're, you know, they're not as, as regular as they used to be. No, but they're like the special brew of the 60 Minutes with, you know. Definitely. Like yeah. I love it. I love all the different facets to the show, yeah. the banner. It's fantastic. There's so much content out there, man. It's amazing. <laughs> it but really yeah, is. If, if people have got any comments and or corrections about what we've talked about for a few dollars more, I'll give you the details of how you can do it uh, at the end of this episode. Please, yeah, get in touch with us. There's lots of ways that you can do it. But onto the comments and corrections on our Fistful of Dollars show. First thing I want to talk to you about, mate, and you messaged me, your dad listened to it. He certainly did. What did your Absolutely dad think about it? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because I've said before, the, these this trilogy were his favourite films growing up as a kid. It was really funny because he couldn't work out why. He reckoned he was older when he watched them. And I said, I said, look... It wasn't until I realised that they didn't get released over here. To was it sixty seven or was it sixty eight? Yeah, I think it was sixty sixty seven or sixty eight. Because my dad was in the RAF and he was in Malta when he first saw them, right, which would have made sense. And he was sort of saying to me, "No, nah, that, that can't be right," because I was definitely I was definitely not that young. Because he mm. felt that it, the first one was it sixty four? The first one that that only made him that would only made him eleven years old. Right. So I mean, he's there's yeah. no way he watched it. But obviously, by the time he was fourteen, fifteen, so that all adds up. But he, uh, you know, with regards to how, us talking about it, it's great memories for him, and it's great because it sort of drummed up quite a bit of conversation between me and him as well, which I've absolutely adored. It, it, just today as well, just discussing bits about it, and it's great. It it, it makes you want to watch the films again. Yeah, you know, it really does, and that that for him has just been it's just it's nice moments to be able to have those conversations. I mean, I've got a really amazing relationship with my dad. Anyway, you know, we write music together and all that sort of stuff, and we hadn't had a chance to do that in a while. So actually, and obviously we have it going on at the moment with us sort of having time apart. It's nice to be able to discuss something that we've yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so it's you know it's been really fantastic. Oh and, yeah, it's like you know I so wish my dad was still around to yeah, uh, cool. not only just to watch Clint Eastwood films with, but I'm sure he'd have been a part of this because I said it's him that got me into them. Um, to hear people so passionately about it as well. Oh, he would yeah. Love, he would love that with, it's so weird, though, it. because, you know, he was 53 when he died, and here's me, I'm older than when he died, and it's like, bloody hell, that's a bit weird. You know what I mean? It's kind of, yeah, exactly it's right. So, he should be around still. Yeah, he should point. be. It's, it's when it's like that. But, yeah, hello, Ben's dad. Hope you enjoyed listening to this one. Let us know what he you loves think. It. Yeah. Uh, we did. We had, obviously, we got our WhatsApp group. There was a little bit of chat about it in there. Now, yeah. if you remember, we talked about, in uh, obviously, Fistful of Dollars show about Henry Henry Fonda, and I said, "Oh, he's a bit too much of a white hat cowboy to play a 
bad guy. Tina said, in relation to Dave saying Henry Fonda would be too much of a white hat cowboy to play the part, he was a total badass in Once Upon a Time in the West. Which is true. He has played a badass. I've forgotten about him in that in that film. He still looked a bit too pretty boy though. Yeah, isn't yeah. Um, That's an interesting point. You've just reminded me, actually. Clint Eastwood's character, the rough, you know, the the the, hmm. the, the he he created the designer beard. That's where yeah, it came the designer from. stubble kind of yeah. Because when they look back, a lot of movies up to this point, everyone was clean cut. Oh yeah, which was so not how it was back in the nineteenth yeah. the nineteenth century yeah. uh, Wild West. It wasn't so. I like the fact that he brought it a bit more to real life to how it would have been. You know? Yeah, that's great. And um, then now we get all these people who have designer stubbles. You know, after yeah. him, who's the next? Who's the next best? Would it uh, have been <sighs> probably um, what's his name? The singer. George Michael. George Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he sort of pioneered that look as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Still in the WhatsApp group, Stabby. In relation to Ben not being able to think of any actors called Carol, uh, he mentioned an actor called Carol O'Connor, of which Alan Sanders then. Uh, said following up to Chris's comment, saying that Carol O'Connor, uh, he starred as Archie Bunker on All in the Family, as well as being in the Heat of the Night TV series. Um, we had two tweets, two tweets, no two emails. Tweets. Most of it was from our own fucking WhatsApp group. Two tweets about it. So people, come on, <laughs> give us some comments and corrections. Comments I'm imagining we're going to get loads this time. This I hope is the so. release of a new Clintcast podcast. <laughs> so come on. On Twitter, thank you at Alan Wilkinson01, who said, just finished listening and I have to say that was well worth the wait. Two hours of podcasting excellence <laughs> and a pleasure to hear Ben back. That was wow. Nice. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. I've come back to podcasting yeah. for that. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> and Alan J. Sanders, this is before he joined our 60 Minutes with team as well. This is when he was yeah. still uh, the Wilder Ride, which everybody should listen to as well, by the way. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the episode, even with the seven-month lag. <laughs> <laughs> I like when I can listen to people talking about a movie I thoroughly enjoy and can still discover new things about it that I never knew. Well done. Bring on for a few dollars more. Everyone should be subscribing. Wow, that's great praise. Uh, and we do this. We record this one, mate, eight months after we recorded a fistful of so toys. We go, we're going for nine next? No, yeah, no, no, no. if we've gone seven, eight, we should go yeah. nine months. Yeah. Look, it's quality stuff. It doesn't matter how long you have to wait, you know? That's <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing with regards to notes and all that sort of stuff. You know, I just know by what I wrote down, there was even more stuff. But you'd be here for like five hours. Oh, yeah. They're slow. Yeah, but any, any, if people want to give us feedback on the show, correct anything we've said, uh, tell us stuff that... Like, Ben just said stuff maybe we've missed out give us anything we'll read them out at the end of the next show uh, ways that you can do that go to the website 60minuteswith.co.uk there's a contact us form on there you can email us direct which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk we're on Twitter and Instagram both at 60minuteswith so you can even tweet us your feedback if you want if it's just a short one we're on Reddit, 60 Minutes with Podcast. You can leave us feedback on there, as well as emails, of course. Uh, if you want to leave not only feedback about the show, if you want to leave feedback about all of the podcasts that we do, there's a really easy way that you can do it. Go to the website, go to the review section, drop down box, it says listener feedback, click on there, gives you all the details. It is so easy to leave us a review, be it one star, five star, whatever you think. Please do that. You can help support us as well on the website again. There's uh, links to Amazon UK. There's links to CD keys. We can get cheap games and uh, credit for all the consoles. Buy through them. No extra cost to yourself. Helps us out. Uh, yeah, do that while you're there. There's a lot of stuff that you can do. 
while we plan the next Ooh, show. Yeah. Uh, and also, if they want to follow you, Ben, what's the best way that they can do that? Pretty much Twitter. So you um, get me on XX4DXX. So that's uh, the best place for mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah, that's it really for me. I mean, I am on Facebook as well, but I tend to steer clear of the, the numpties on yeah, there. So. That's the best way. Yeah. So the next show, like we said, is going to be our Good, Bad and the Ugly show, but we will begin with a little bit of chat about witches. Oh, well. sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah there'll be some, uh, there's a few things to talk about on that, even though it's only like a 20 minute section. Trust me, there's a couple of things that will be interesting to talk about. Oh, sounds intriguing, uh, mate. Yeah. Well, what better way to finish the show then, mate, than a bit more music from Ennio Morricone. Oh. And now, much like I did with the Fistful of Dollars show, I want to finish it with something possibly most people might not have heard before i think if you're familiar with the film you will be familiar with the music that i'm going to play you might not be quite as familiar with the lyrics and i'm going to play two back to back i'm going to play the italian version obviously with the italian lyrics immediately followed by the english version with the i'm guessing i know which one's going to be my favorite (laughs) And I'm guessing that your guess is correct as well, mate. <laughs> um, the, in Italian, it's called Occio per Occio. And the English version is Eye for an Eye. So I'm going to play... Uh, I'll play the Italian version first and then finish with the English one. Yeah. <laughs> you can finish with a laugh. <laughs> and, then, and we will disappear uh, until next time. Uh, as always, mate, it's been worth the wow. eight-month wait to have uh, a good chat about Clint with you again. A, I can't believe it's been that long, but it's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every single moment of it, bud. And uh, thank thank you again for doing this with me. It's been fantastic. Until next time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Give us feedback on the show, and we will be back, I don't know, sometime in 2022, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Chi non chiederà perché ritorno qui? Guai a chi dimenticò che cosa fece a me. Male a voi se un uomo come me non ride più. Male a me che son cresciuto insieme a
dimentico che cosa fece a me Male a me che son cresciuto insieme a voi Male a voi se un uomo come me non ride the dark and evil day that ever I was born Curse my mother's loving care that made me safe from harm Curse the day I grew to be a man and learned to love Curse the love that made me learn to hate Oh man Curse the day that I became what I was born to be Curse a happy man on earth wanted curse like me Like me.